This week on Geek Explained, in our Geektober 2023 finale, I'm joined by filmmakers Jessica Morgan and Chris Carter to discuss their latest independent horror film, Night of the Harvest. Surprise! Welcome back to Geek Explained. I'm your host, Eric Azana, and this is our Geektober 2023 finale, our Halloween special for the year of 2023. Y'all didn't think I was gonna pass up the opportunity to release an episode on Halloween. I mean, I know it's a day early from when we usually go up, but it's a special occasion for a couple of reasons. First off, Halloween is today. It's too close to our normal release date for me to not take advantage of it. And also, because this week we're talking about something that is very near and dear to my heart. Uh, Good brothers, friends, longtime friends, and filmmakers Jessica Morgan and Chris Carter are going to be joining me on this week's episode to discuss their latest film, Night of the Harvest. A horror film, their latest feature that they have been working on for quite some time, and and your boy might be in it as well. If you remember, cast your minds back to probably like March of last year. Um, I went for a week-long stint back to Arizona to film my part in this uh, in this picture. And I, I mean... The work speaks for itself, and they will be speaking for it as well, obviously in a podcast form, but I am so proud of the work that we did, and the reason that we are talking about it is because as of this recording, as you are listening to this, this Thursday, November the 2nd, 2023, it is going to be premiering at the Glendale Lamley Theater location. I am so excited to see this all put together. I haven't seen the film in its entire so I will be seeing it for the very first time at the world premiere in Glendale here in Los Angeles. I'm so excited. Uh, we released, or they released, we released, they released a trailer earlier, uh, I want to say at the beginning of this month, to kind of hype it all up, and now we're going to be having our very first Los Angeles premiere. So this is very exciting. If you can't tell, I'm giddy, I'm stoked. It's going to be an amazing time, and the best news of I think all of it is that if you are in the Los Angeles area if you are in the Southern California area you can get tickets and you can join me at the premiere this Thursday to go and watch this incredible film that Jessica and Chris and a whole bevy of creatives have been working on for quite some time um i'll be putting the link to the trailer as well as the link to purchase tickets from the lamley uh in the show notes here and again if you are excited about the prospect of watching a movie uh wanting to meet me in person feel free to do so if you are in the la area or the surrounding areas roll up 
let's do this. Let's fill out this theater so that we can all watch this thing together. Um, I'll be putting that in the show notes, and obviously we'll be talking about it more uh, throughout this episode, not just during the main uh main segment of this uh of this week's show but also obviously with the wrap up uh we also have of course this week's comics countdown where i'll be chatting you up about all the comics that you should be picking up this week and we have the latest review on a very polarizing episode of loki season two so make sure you stay tuned for all of that after the jump but for now let's roll right on into the main event the main course the entree if you will as i am joined by jessica morgan and chris carter to discuss the premiere of their latest film night of the harvest stay safe tonight A year after an attack, a woman grapples with recovery. Her sister's friends plan a Halloween bash, but a killer is released on the group. In a night where masks and costumes are meant for fun, an age-old curse reveals its horrifying face. Happy Halloween! This is the <laughs> finale of Geektober 2023. Ooh! <laughs> Not yet, not yet. We're getting to oh. it. We we have dedicated <laughs> we have dedicated the entire month of October to spooky Halloween fun, and we are wrapping up a day early. Listener, you're you're pretty used to episodes dropping on Wednesday, but this week it's dropping on Tuesday because that just happens to be when Halloween is. And this one is uh, this one's pretty special. We're wrapping this up. Because it is the spooky season, obviously, but also because a very important film is going to be making its world premiere this Thursday, as of the release of this episode, and <laughs> I am really ecstatic about it, and I want you to be just as ecstatic about it, so I sat down with two of my very best friends to talk about that film. Now, if you have uh, been with the podcast, listened to it for any amount of time, you would know that I'm not just a podcaster. I am also a mildly okay actor. <laughs> and I have been out here in LA doing my thing. And I have been absolutely blessed to be able to do that a lot of times with my two guests this week you have heard them before whether it was watching the watchmen whether it was our very first geektober whether it was going through every single film of the Zack snyder universe <laughs> i am very happy to be joined by jessica morgan and chris carter welcome back to geeks Spooky Thanks, Jordan. It's back, man. I tell you, the spookiest thing about that was watching the the Snyderverse. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm sure somewhere Andrew Kincaid is listening and kind of rolling his eyes, like, "God, what a waste of time that was." But no, I enjoyed talking with you guys about that. But it's funny; I hadn't thought about that in such a long time. But what a great thing to bring up in Spooktober! It's the Snyderverse for yeah. That's well, cool. it's funny too because like I have been listening, and if you haven't been, you need to go do this on Spotify. Uh, alongside being wonderful filmmakers, Jess and Chris are uh, are breaking into the podcast game, and they've oh, been geez. doing this for a while. Mm. And they've been 
doing the Dark Lord's work by reviewing <laughs> certain immersive Halloween experiences around around LA yeah. and it's all Sacrificing part of goats no I'm just kidding Sacrificing <laughs> them all. if they show up in your neighborhood just be prepared for a goat to be sacrificed <laughs> on your front lawn but they've been doing it over on if you want to go check that out they've been checking out all the great haunts uh this year and I mean at this point by the time you're listening to this uh it might be a little bit too late since it's Halloween but yeah. I'm sure you would like to share in your experiences with these haunts. So go check out Scripts and Screams over on Spotify. Check it out. They're wonderful. They also happen to uh, speak with good friend of the podcast as well. Good brother Dustin Reefer from yes. way back in anime. Way back. Remember that? <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. That was a lifetime ago. It was 2020. Was he? I, I mean, I did listen to that episode, but I feel like he was not as judgmental as he is on our podcast. <laughs> yeah, he's exceptionally judgmental. Yeah. Dustin is exceptionally judgmental, but that's part of his charm. That's it true. Of his charm. That's what we bring him in for. We, we love Halloween too much. We need the little spice of like, that was shit in there. We you need, know, we need someone to really bring the mood down and bring the positivity down. But yeah, so I'm I'm here with Jess and Chris, and we are kind of celebrating a little bit early the premiere of Night of the Harvest, a film that you two have been working very hard on for a very yeah. long time. Yeah, thanks, We're man. Pretty yeah, beat down. Yeah, <laughs> but, we liked Halloween before. We hate it now. <laughs> they hate it forever. It has ruined the holiday season for we them. Made a film. Oh, if they see another it. pumpkin, they will explode. That's it. That's true. Yeah, this problem's gonna get kicked. <laughs> Though no, we've I... been have, working on it quite a long, long time. You're right. Like it's been, it's exciting to finally have it like be done and about yeah. to show it to the world. Yeah, because you've been doing. I mean, they've gone through the whole process: pre-pro casting, you know, doing set decks, scouting locations, scouting locations after the first locations completely bail and ghost them. Like all of the fun stuff that comes with filmmaking. Yeah. You have gone through the whole roller coaster. And funny, you know, I think, and I was thinking about this, Eric, too, when I was driving home from Tate, where it's like, where did Night of the Harvest kind of start, right? Because yes, always, I would love to dig into this with you. And it's, I think it was during COVID. There was, a, there was a picture when I was working from home, just like all of us were, and I was at my desk and I had like a little tiny jack-o'-lantern carved out in my trying to conjure some type of goofy, silly Halloween vibes because I knew that we wanted to do something based around Halloween coming off of our last uh, series, which you were into. Um, and uh, by the way, you were in my house. You were in my section that you killed it in, in, uh, in Dark Chronicles, by the way. You and Michaela were killers. Um, Shout out to Michaela. And, and so like, it's, I just, oh my God, you just told like everybody from there. I know I did. I, <laughs> oh, well, I borrowed true, them. Huh? That like, was, that was their audition. <laughs> although, you know, and so, but no, I mean, I started to write and I just kind of had this idea of this vision of like kind of a scarecrow. And it's funny because the harvest and scarecrow, I'm like, well, and I'm horrible with titles. I think Eric, you know this. And so it can, went through many iterations. And then once I kind of landed on, I knew what kind of bad I wanted. I knew I wanted to take place on Halloween. And I knew I just didn't want to do Halloween, right? There's right. there's Halloween, there's 1031, there's night in October. There's like so many Halloween-based things in the in the movie space right now, especially when it comes to horror. We didn't want to just kind of fall into at what somebody else has done so the 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 script went through a bunch of rewrites even the the finale nice. um the yeah. beginning the finale yeah. like the whole story is a lot 
different than I think it first started out. I remember like, yeah, like I think, okay, this happens And don't for, say, don't tell too much about the movie too, right? Let's, I won't. No, we don't no, know no, how no, it Definitely, we're going to be super light <laughs> on spoilers because yeah. we want, especially if you're in the LA area, yeah, to go check this yeah. out. Uh, I'll put the link to uh, the trailer as well as where you can buy tickets. It's going to be at the Lamley in Glendale this Thursday as of this. November 2nd. This as well. Mm -hmm. November 2nd at 7 p.m. If you are in L.A., if you can get to L.A., if you can take four flights to get to L.A., <laughs> do it so you can be there with us so we can celebrate the release of this. It's going to yeah. be great. Or it's super pumped. It's going to be, be so great. Um, yeah. But uh, I, I've like certain artists and I've heard this actually especially from like directors even like in theater that sometimes like the reason they pick a certain play to direct is because they just see like a moment in it that they're yeah. just like really latch on to and they're like just want to bring that to life and I feel like that's like where the script started with Chris uh funny enough he had like a moment in his head that he really wanted to bring to life and I think the funniest thing about it it was like the opening scene we originally had I don't even think it made the movie I think we ended up rewriting the whole thing really <laughs> Yeah. yeah like so you could tell the original one i mean it's like we we had like a whole different concept of like these two like cops right and they're like walking into this abandoned building and they like find all this gross creepy stuff and it was like a whole different like vibe at the beginning wow. of the film and it then by the time we kept writing the story and rewriting it it just didn't work anymore. Well, um, that's not, it still worked. It just didn't work in terms of like this movie. Because by the, the way, story. that it didn't I, serve the story. That scene would have been great. That little, it would have been short, great. It would have been, yeah. So, but it can be a short probably on its own. That, probably. Yeah, I guess that's true. But, but it's just but, funny. It's like, this has gone true. through so many rewrites that even like the reason it was originally written, like what sparked it is like, doesn't exist in the film anymore. <laughs> yeah. Which yeah. kind of speaks to like how filmmaking works. There's a lot mm -hmm. of moving parts, things that start one way can be completely changed by the end of the film. And the two of you have been working on film and working in acting and working in the creative space for a very long time. Like it's th this, the thing that struck me about working on this so much is your experience. And obviously like we've worked together before, but like there are certain things where certain minute details certain things that are accounted for whether it be budget whether it be time whether it be location that i feel like people who are either a very green or people who don't you know respect the process would not be aware of or would not be cognizant of and so getting into the film itself obviously both of you come from a creative background. You you've been working in this for a while, and you you know what what looks good to you and what doesn't look good to you. You know what works for you and what doesn't work for you. Yeah. So you talked a little bit about the inception of you know the idea. Did you have any kind of specific inspirations when you were coming up with the ideas for it, crafting the scripts, creating the characters, anything like that? You know, for me, I did actually. There's um, and I and talk about older movies, and there's a there's a movie that actually really got shit on when it first started came out. It was, it was the the third iteration of the Halloween series, season the witch, which you know, didn't have. It was the first movie that didn't have Michael Myers, and 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 people just didn't had know how to, to, to receive Halloween it. Movie. Yeah, right. So that's but where originally not great. Like people no, didn't like it. No, originally. people hated right. that movie. People it's bad. hated it. Yeah, and and and, and there's. <laughs> 
many stories about how like they had to bring back and my commands enforce it. But when I was watching that with an older eye, with an eye like, oh, well, how big is Halloween? What is Halloween? Where did the celebration kind of begin? And then you look into the pagan roots and you kind of see that, you know, it's become so perverse in where it's at in terms of like where it was to where it is now, where it, 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 how it got here is over hundreds of years, just, you know, devolved into what it is now. And, and of course, Halloween is fun for all of us, but it wasn't always that way. And I think kind of where we wanted to take our story and what made it a little bit more unique and different than what you kind of see with most of the Halloween films released, you know, in the recent, you know, two decades is nobody really explores that. So we kind of feel like we're in front of what I think is a curve that's going to come because when you start looking at where it came from, um, another inspiration for me, and, and I tie this back in is for, is true detective. The first mm. season of true detective, when they're talking about the carnival, um, uh, that happens in New Orleans from like, I think it was the forties and fifties and sixties and the really creepy masks. And you can kind of mirror that with how people dressed up on Halloween in the older days where they were very less funny and much more like terrifying. And so, yeah. you know, I really wanted to bring some of that. And as the movie begins, you get what Halloween is now the very sanitized version of it, the very sexualized version of it. And then as it gets deeper into it, we kind of take it back to where it was before it got to be that way, when it was very serious, when there was a consequence, when trick or treat wasn't, you know, receiving candy, it was more of a threat in some ways. And so we kind of get into that. And that was really where we kind of had to work back for backwards from, from the inspiration of the film and kind of like weave that story, you know, that for me at least, you know, and I know that Jessica had some, some, some ideas when it came to that, especially being, are you Irish, Jessica, or Welsh? Or... <laughs> but I, I'm, not, I'm not sure. What am point. I? I know. What <laughs> are you? Yes, uh, from the roots <laughs> of your people. <laughs> whoa, whoa, wait a second. This is 2023. You're your people here. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm a ginger. Um, I'm Scottish and then Irish. Oh, I see. Then yes. a little German, but you know, that's just once you go European, it's like all that stuff um <laughs> we're all euro mutts that's well, just how yeah it, that's how so, it chris is like the the main writer on this film um i get a story credit because of edits and things like that um but i really do chalk it up a lot to him so any of my inspiration comes from what is already in the script and things like that so definitely like influences um i do the makeup in the film like all the special effects for yeah it. you do yeah. <laughs> and um and so some of those definitely had certain influences and feels to it and stuff. Um definitely leaning more towards like the slashers and stuff in like horror genres in general and some of it does even go back to like sort of like older um slashers. So uh I don't know, yeah, like the 80s kind of stuff. There's a little bit of that in there with some of the like gore and stuff like that. But then we also like we're really big on making this film. The script in general gets darker as you go along. <laughs> and that yeah. And that's kind of like the like that I think it's visually does that too. I think if you visually took it, it it's and it's, so it's the same with like the makeup and the effects too. It like almost starts as like a fun way that we like kind of like people die and different things and then it like kind of turns like darker as we go 
Um, so it's interesting that our influences, like they kind of start with like sort of with like Trick or Treat, which is a big Halloween film that we love right. and stuff. Um, and like Halloween, sure, we talked about that too and things, but then it's like it goes, gets more serious. And then we start looking at like darker ritualistic kind of films and they're like, oh, okay, and pull some influences from that. So it's an interesting mix for sure. For sure. And, and and I'm glad that you mentioned the the structure of that because it is absolutely true. There is a certain following it down the rabbit hole that you mm -hmm. do with this film. And I think that mirrors what you were saying, Chris, about being kind of in love with the romanticized version of Halloween in the first place. Right. Because a lot of people, when they enter into being a fan of Halloween, it's all, you know, the the pumpkins and the candy and the dressing up and like Scooby-Doo and the ghoul school and like yeah. all the fun parts. And then when you get further into like the mythology, the uh, background of it, it gets a little bit darker. So right. I wanted to ask both of you, what your kind of introduction to that that darker aspect of Halloween was, and if you have a favorite a favorite experience or a favorite memory mm -hmm. with Halloween just in general as you know mm -hmm. a concept? Yeah, I mean, for me, again, it's funny. Um, Season of the Witch really when as i was watching I, I looked into it that kind of there's a really great monologue and if anybody's seen it they know the one i'm talking about when um uh, like the main guy is talking about what halloween was before yeah. it is now and and it got me thinking well maybe i should look this up and and like you rabbit hole is a great word for it because as you start to go into that you realize that it it, it was kind of a dark time and then it's 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 a changing of the equinox and the solstice and then the sacrifice that had to be done to appease um some in some cases religion so in in some cases halloween not again in its current state is a religious aspect again i, I don't know enough about the pagan religion to really speak on that but in terms of halloween and and Samhain, which is what the pagans call halloween Samhain, right. um there there are certain things about that that are very dark and so as you get into you know everybody kind of like you mentioned eric you're watching scooby-doo you're watching ghostbusters you're watching the very sanitized g and then you go to pg and then you might watch you know halloween a couple times and then if you if you care you, well you know and in this day and age i always say that you know ignorance is a choice when it comes to you know research and so what where to, what are the roots of halloween and if you just google Sawin, which is spelled s-a-m-h-a-i-n it's an interesting read for sure and it's one of those things that may just change your perspective on halloween like forever because <laughs> that is the root of halloween and and then of course you know you get you get this, the tales where you're talking about hey and this i do believe this is true where you know it's on the 31st there's the veil between the living and the dead is it's its thinnest and so you right. kind of see things you may not and i have a story about that because you you did ask and i and i and i don't think i've told either one of you this story i don't think i've told anybody this story that um on halloween years ago we were all living in i was living in tucson at the time and i was out walking around and i was by u of a university of arizona football stadium and it was halloween night and uh, just we were just cruising around and uh, a guy was walking his dog and he was coming towards us and we were walking towards him. It was that whole passing in the night type of thing. And it was later mm -hmm. at night, might've been 10 or 11. And I look over him and his you know, little dog, maybe a chihuahua, you know, just, it wasn't anything I, that I thought I, I, otherwise. I look at him. And then again, this is before I knew what you could do with makeup, before I understood foam prosthetics and, and all that stuff. And I look over at him and he's got he completely bald. 
he's got a white face. He's got this long hook nose. And he's got really long fingers. Kind of think of Nosferatu. I was going to say, that's a very Nosferatu yeah. looking. Absolutely. Right. And I look over at him. And he looks over at me as we're passing and he just kind of smiles and the dude's got pointy teeth. And in that moment, again, I didn't know any of the shit that I know now in terms of, and again, this was a long time ago. This is, I don't know, maybe 2005, six, seven, something. So before I knew any of what you could do with, with, I, I don't I don't think people in Tucson are very aware of that. Not saying that it's not true, but I don't know, maybe, um, but this, in this moment, like, holy shit, was that like, were those one of those demons that can pop over, walk their dog and pop back on Halloween? But to this day, I don't know if it like, if that wasn't true. Like, I really honest to God believe that I thought I saw something that I wasn't supposed to be or see. And it was to this day, it just kind of, it's, it stuck with me. So yeah, there is, there is some mystery and magic. And I know I'm talking a lot, but sometimes when you just walk outside and I think almost it's at some point, somebody has this feeling where something just doesn't feel right. Something just feels a little off in your aura, in your sphere, in kind of your immediate world where you can't see anything, but you feel something, something's just not right. And I kind of feel that Halloween, especially on the, you know, that day you really kind of absorb some of that energy. So I, I believe there is something to that story about that. Anyway, that's that's amazing. And it's funny that you mentioned that because there was a guy who kind of matches that description who was outside of my house the other day. He, oh, asked, a, he asked if I knew anybody who had a, uh, a film camera and I gave him your address. <laughs> I don't know if... <laughs> he, he, he might be hitting you up at some point. Um, Maybe in a week. That's spooky as hell. It was. And it was. I, I think Tucson is low key, like a really spooky town when it wants to be. Yes. Like it's, yeah. it's terrifying. We aren't yeah. just, you know, a town that people mention in Chainsmokers songs. Like we can be yeah. kind of scary at times too. But what about you, Jess? Do you have a specific spooky Halloween memory that helps hold that season near and dear to your heart? I mean, so Halloween for me has been always like the really lighthearted, happy things. Um, mm -hmm. Even with like the scaring of people and stuff like that, like, uh growing up we went all out for halloween like at my family's house and um we very much would even like like the front yard would just be insanely decorated we would create like an entire graveyard we have like i mean we still have like tons of these like gravestones that were created out of like wood planks and things like that um and uh and we would purposely like dress up or come up with different ideas of how to scare trick-or-treaters as they came up and stuff whether it's like you know being in this big hooded cloak and like sitting oh, in a chair wow. really no, still you know and then you walk up and then they're like ha yeah <laughs> or like you're in a coffin and everyone's like is there something in the coffin and you're like yes there is like <laughs> here I am you know um that was kind of like our family and stuff so I my relationship with scares really early on was like it's a fun thing to do for Halloween like yeah mm -hmm. it's scary and it's spooky and um to this day like I still get scared like if I go through haunted houses I'm still like the person who screams and the person who will like drop down and stuff but it's always been like a fun aspect for me yeah um so that's kind of my perspective coming from it I haven't had anything super crazy spooky on Halloween I don't think um but I don't know there's there's plenty of weird juju out there um <laughs> <laughs> even the like theater I currently work at we're like positive is haunted oh. and I've very much seen like doors closing on their own and stuff and just been like cool i'm out of here <laughs> i feel like every theater is lightly haunted yeah. it's yeah. like acutely haunted just a little bit 
cares a that's little. what jessica said too and yeah. dustiny dustiny said the same agreed thing. We all, funny there, there's funny. a baseline to it like there's a minimum threshold that you have to reach to be a theater of it being <laughs> otherwise it's not a legit theater 100 <laughs> agree i think it's like an energy thing there's just so much energy that gets put into yeah. a theater like and then like weird releases and stuff too like you have cathartic moments and everything and it's just like i don't know i just think that yeah, one of the ghosts, they actually, they have like pictures of it in our theater and it's called, they've oh like God. named him the critic and then he mm. like shows up for shows and like stands like in the, in the audience and they call him the critic. It's pretty funny. Yeah. So make sure if you go to that theater and yeah. you criticize anything, do it outside. Yeah. Yeah. We'll find you if you don't. <laughs> no, but I, I love that because it's, there's always been kind of something supernatural about the idea of theater. And like, you can go back in history of how theater has been utilized for all kinds of dark yeah. bullshit but yeah. like there's something magical and kind of frightening about a dark theater in the dead oh, of totally. night totally like, like the I, ghost light you have the oh, ghost for, light that's why you have a ghost light and it's just like and everything else is dark and it's just shadowy and it's it's so spooky like i i remember and i don't think i've told anybody this so we're sharing stories that we Yay! haven't told before. oh yeah um that's I the real the, reason for the podcast. Ghost That's stories. the whole reason. <laughs> Everything's been leading to this. 207 Explained it means. <laughs> if it's actually an anagram for. Explained no. means spooky. <laughs> um, but I remember this was my first show in college. This was Treasure Island. Oh, fun. And. I remember it was late at night. We had all just finished up a rehearsal and I'd forgotten my sunglasses in the theater. Hmm. And everybody was outside in the dock and I went back inside because I'd let, and I remember this very distinctly. It was in the 10th row off to the right side. And so I remember going down, everything was shut off already. And so I just in the dark, I'm fearless. I'm like, yeah. how old was I at that point? I'm 19. I don't have a care in the world. Like nothing <laughs> can touch me. I'm invincible forever. Yep. And I remember going in, you know, there was nothing really on. We had the light. But I remember going down, picking up the sunglasses, and I looked up and the lights went on in the booth. Now, if you've ever been in the proscenium theater at Pima Community College, the booth is suspended high above where the audience is. And I remember there was a light that went on, but it wasn't like, because I've been in that booth, like you have, you know, your normal switch lights. Yeah. It was like one, it was like a light bulb and there's no like place in there that's just like a single light bulb but i remember so distinctly like looking up and seeing that light on and then i was like oh that's weird and i turned to leave and i got down because i again i'm dumb i'm invincible forever i yeah. go down to like leave through the stage and i get on the stage and i look back and the lights off no and, and there's nothing there and i'm like okay that's weird <laughs> and i swear to god there was there was something up on the rafters like where the spot ops were just like oh looming God. like like um like the beast from over the garden wall like just yeah. there and i'm oh, like well know. i need to go <laughs> and i remember it was just it was a terrifying experience and I went out of there and I'm like, I am never going there without a buddy or without the lights <laughs> being on ever again. Never <laughs> ever again. But it's that's, like that. It's crazy. That's terrifying. I didn't know that. That That is crazy. That's, oh my God. I don't, 
Yeah. It's spooky. It's spooky. Yeah. Like I said, Tucson, Loki is spooky town. But <laughs> yeah. getting back to to Night of the Harvest, this was a film that, like you said, kind of in a way weaponizes the appeal of Halloween. And if you've watched the trailer, listener, you should have watched the trailer by now. I've got the you link. should watch the trailer. The link. Go check out the trailer. A lot if you don't of watch like the it. trailer, I'll be in your walls. Just, just be, <laughs> be aware of that. That's a thread I've gained over the last over the last year. If you, you don't just do like appear in walls or what? I I just show up in people's walls and I knock to keep them up at night. It's not oh like scary. God. I'm just annoying. Oh, it's not scary. It's, it's not, not a scary thing. It's just no. like do your taxes, right. read comic books, yeah, that's watch terrifying. the trailer for Night of the Harvest <laughs> on like a loop. Oh, great! But uh, like. If you watch if you watch the trailer, there is kind of this this reverence for Halloween, talking about people's experiences with it. And you see both sides, someone who takes it very seriously, <laughs> i.e. the sisters that are involved with an incident. Again, go watch the trailer if you haven't already. Uh, that happened one year prior to the events of the film. And then you've got, oh, we got to hit all these parties. We got to go do yeah. this. We're wearing costumes. Mm -hmm. And the juxtaposition of that is really fun. Because like you said, things get a little ridiculous at the beginning. And then they slowly, you know, the darkness starts to creep in mm -hmm. as you go. And I just want to know what your kind of perspective was on hitting both of those, um, both of those dichotomies, having the silly and allowing that to breathe while also allowing that to blend with the darker, more serious aspects of the film. Right. For um, me, oh, sorry, just go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, sorry. No, you go ahead. Okay. So I know when writing it, it was a big deal because we had to you want to get people comfortable with what they're familiar with, right? So that's the biggest thing. You know, when people are are sitting around talking about Halloween, they're talking about most likely what party they're going to go to, where yep. they, how, how are they going to enjoy that? What haunted house are they going to go to? That's, you know, normal for most of the, the Halloween crowd. So that was something that was really important to me to kind of say, hey, this is how most people see it. But layered in that story, um, I, I really wanted to go ahead and also include trauma because – we hear all the time that everybody's fighting a battle that we don't know about. And so in this Very case, true. one of the sisters, you know, had survived a, a horrible traumatic incident. And so in, in, in the group, it's like, Hey, we're going to go have a great time. But you know, part of that is making sure that someone's trauma is okay. That, that it's, it's not debilitating. Like, how do we, how do we, you know, kind of massage that with this and make it work and can we even do that and so we've got these like i said these two very different ideas about what it is and especially when we talk about hey let's traditional halloween we're going to do something and then as we kind of find out that this trauma has happened how we can kind of get past that or how we can and make it work and to me that was what grounded the story when we first see it like that to me was like everybody at some point has a sibling. I think that's very important. And especially your role with, with Jim, Eric, um, really good friend. Maybe if you're an only child, you have a really good friend as you've grown up with where, you know, we kind of make decisions together, even though, you know, our paths are different. We are kind of in, in a way like a team. Right. And so we have that with, I think people can identify with that. I think if you can't, I think that you, you, I mean, I think all of us here have a sibling, you can identify with your love for your sibling in some way. Um, and so the things that, that would happen to them, how it would, you know, ripple through you, 
So there's so there are things in there that I really want to, the audience to identify with as people. Then once we got to the party aspect of it, the traditional Halloween, you know, the fun, the games, that's something that we bring in a little bit, you know, not not immediately, but soon, because there's a bunch of ideas kind of floating around and we kind of need to distill them to this is kind of what our story is going to be. And I think at some point anybody can relate to at least a few of these characters. And once, you know, we've kind of made that those people are along for the ride, at least right. in my mind when, when, and it's the most roundabout way to answer your question. I think I could do it. I'm sorry, <laughs> but this, this is, this is what, know. this is what we're used to hearing from you when you come on here. <laughs> All right. It's, it's you. you giving roundabout answers and me talking about how you were born in 1855. <laughs> <laughs> your birthday's coming up soon, right? It's not coming up, you fucker, but we will, we'll, we'll, hey, we'll keep it real. We'll do the, we'll do the money corner too. We'll do the, bah, 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 bah. oh shit. Yeah. We'll, we'll, money we'll, corner's coming we'll, back. We'll we're going it into it. Stay tuned for that. <laughs> Whoa. Okay. Um, for me, I think a lot of the, um, I think in general, a lot of the films that me and Chris will gravitate to, especially in our creative side, like us creating them, do tend to go a little bit darker. It's right. just like tends to be what we lean towards. We don't always even usually have like happy endings for our horror films. Not always, not generally. Um, so we already have a tendency to kind of go dark. For me, it was really important in this film that we got if we're going to do Halloween, we got to get like that spirit of Halloween. So right. as much as we were like looking at like a darker original area of Halloween, I really still was like, but like we should look at like the other side of it as well. Like if you want it, the film to feel like Halloween, if you want it to like kind of capture that spirit, then it does have to be like lighthearted at time. It does have to like have these like fun moments and silly costumes and things like that, in my opinion. Um, so <laughs> Eric's one of the lucky ones who didn't get too silly of a costume, although I don't think you like your mask, but that's fine. I liked the mask. <laughs> I liked the I wear a mask. Um, uh, at least it you know. is a is a very good mask and I enjoy really it. Cool mask. It's it's yeah. difficult to breathe in. That was the only thing is that it it's wasn't very, made it's, for your face. It, it was not made for my <laughs> listeners. I have a very, I have a very wide face, and I have a very an Asian angular, angular face. face. Angular, and so the handsome. angles of the mask were not conducive to my angular face, which is the only problem. But the mask looks incredible. Yeah, there, I have no complaints about the mask. Yeah, and and you didn't have to wear, you know, Jim's costume, which is like <laughs> yeah, your counterpart. I love so. Jim's Don't, costume. It's amazing, but yeah. you can tell, like, it, like it's funny watching it back. I was like, he found every excuse in the world to take his crown off. To take stuff he off. Like, it was just like <laughs> funny enough that wasn't going to be. So that's a rewrite. So actually, it, that's right. So he was supposed to be, and I think he came up with this, or if not, he jumped on when I brought it up. He was going to be like a football player. He was going to have yeah. like shoulder pads and just open. Yeah worn out jersey and because you know here's the money corner we couldn't find shoulder pads they were like 90 bucks and i'm like I'm they're expensive bucks. Yeah. especially yeah. for like his broad shoulders for exactly. sure and so so but funny enough um yeah when you talk about it it's like you know he was like he now he has to wear this well you'll see everybody will see what he has to wear but he was probably much more inclined to wear the football player costume than what yeah what he ended up we were like, and, you know what? This of, is the real essence of your character. And, and and of course, being opposite of Eric, who's dressed very dapper in this scene. I know. Like, it's the, the best. juxtaposition between the two characters. Is it incredible. is fun. And I don't know if yeah. this was, you know, I don't know if this, I'm sure it was, but I don't know if this was intentional or not. But there is something to be taken out of everyone's costume that is key to their characterization in the film. That's completely just. 
And I and I figured it would be because Jessica, for as long as I've known her and for as long as I've worked with her, has an eye and an ear for that kind of thing. Um, you want to talk about somebody who knows how to get to the heart of a character. Jessica could teach classes on this. And yeah. so, like, I... I would love to know what your kind of process was when it comes to the from to the costuming of wanting to have those little things yeah. here and there that spoke to the hearts of the characters. Obviously, removing right. spoilers and whatnot, but like yeah. you can pick like a couple different characters that you were really keyed into when it comes to their costume. Totally, um, definitely was something we looked at like a lot, and I thought about it a lot. Like I had a lot of discussions with Chris whether he wanted to have them or not. <laughs> But I was like, this is my thought for this because I think it works for this and this is the reason because it's just like, I don't, yeah, whatever. Just, like, just, just buy it. Shoot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. That's true. That's true. Um, you know, colors came into play a bit, like, especially like with like you, you know, there was a lot of things like that. Like you're very red in your outfit and Jim is mm -hmm. blue. And it was just like, oh, those are like, you know, kind of go together sort of things. Um, and also like the hot and cold, which I felt like was kind of your guys' sort of relationship yeah. and stuff. Um, and then kind of like vice versa, we like put Brittany in reds because like we were kind of pairing you two up so it was mm -hmm. like reds and reds like there's just going to be automatically this thought of like let's go together kind of thing um and similarly like Jim had black in his like uh, detail and so we figured we could do black on me yeah. um and kind of still like have that be there um and then <laughs> I was like Joyce was like the funnest right away we were like she just has to like Joyce is our <laughs> character that go loves Halloween is obsessed with it like is the one that wants to hit all the extreme haunts and just do everything like has built her identity around Halloween basically um which relatable but whatever <laughs> I was like I was like it kind of seems like a self-insert <laughs> character weird it's like if I was allowed to like completely run loose with it like that's <laughs> I would probably become Joyce like Joyce is the like goal or something you know Joyce um, is Jessica's untethered spirit yeah, yeah. If, I, <laughs> if I had no shame I would be Joyce um, <laughs> and so with hers it was very much a, like well, what can we make the most ridiculous costume and um and you see her I think even in the trailer like with this big pumpkin outfit and then the we pumpkin. have like a joke costume late with her later that comes up too so it's you know trying to find those things of like well we need to get her out of this costume and I'm like but would she have something else on if she has to get out of the costume? <laughs> like, there's just these fun things with it. And and of course, like, you know, um, some of the obvious ones with like the couple, it's like uh, having her be a princess was just like, that was, mm -hmm. I was like, it has to be that. And then Chris had this like perfect joke that was already written in the script before he like knew it was a joke, which is just, um, we have a scene that's right before we see the two, the couple. And, uh, me with me and Brittany the sisters together and I say that I have a costume for her and she's all like please let it not be one of those frilly princess dresses um <laughs> and I was just like it has to be a frilly princess dress has on this be. person like that's Ugh. just already writing itself like that's how I feel about a lot of Chris's work and his scripts is I'm just like this is in here you wrote it and he's all like but I didn't write that and I'm like no it's there <laughs> <laughs> plus for a lot of people like for for the actress who wears that frilly princess dress, yeah. it's her. Yeah. Like there are, there are a lot <laughs> of like shout out shout out to shout out to Tracy. Um, that's an in joke with me and Taylor. She okay. Called, <laughs> I call her Tracy. Like, like, um, like, 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 wait a second. Right. He doesn't know. I'm just making up names for people on the fly. Um, 
but no, like that's kind of like her personality with Jim. Yeah. I think what's fun about that costume for him, it's very silly. It's and Jim so as a person can be very silly, Yeah. but there's a certain aspect of uncomfortability to it that he shows and he plays very well, which I yeah. really like. Yeah. I enjoy dressing up in vests. And so they were very <laughs> kind. They're like, let's put them in a vest, but the best. I'm glad I mean, that. Yeah. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, it's it's cool, too, because it's like, as much as there's some conception with the costumes, like, things did evolve once we, like, cast people. like For sure. Just like it does. It's like, um, but the casting very much, like, having you go into that role, like, defined what you were going to wear. Um, because that wasn't the initial costume that we, like, had at least in mind for William. Right. But it was like, once you were there and we got to, like, see certain relationships and stuff, it was like, okay, yeah. Like, especially knowing you guys were playing opposite of Brittany, I was just like, there's some some stuff we can do here, which will be really fun. Because you guys just have awesome chemistry. Well, so. and, and, and I'm glad you brought you brought that up because, like, as as I've mentioned before and as you have mentioned as well, you and Chris are are a dynamic duo. You are writers, you are directors, you are DPs, you do everything. But also in this film and other projects that you've worked on, you're also a kick-ass actress. And Jessica wears a thousand different hats and watching her go from director mode to uh to actor mode is a delight and getting into kind of like the cast of it this is one of the most extensive casts that i've seen for a project for y'all and one of the most diverse as well yeah. and i love seeing so many varied faces so many varied living experiences what was it like kind of building out that cast i know that you have people that you kind of you know you look at and you're like I, I can rely on you. We can plug and play you anywhere. And I know you're going to be solid, but there are also some people who either a were working with you for the first time or B were working with you in, in a more extensive capacity than they had before. Yeah, absolutely. I was like, I don't know if you want to start with this one, Chris, or. Yeah, no, I'll go. Um, and so that's true. And we made, you brought up like the diversity of the cast. That was something that we, we wanted to address right away to like mm -hmm. we knew we wanted to bring in people um of different races uh you know and sexual orientation we just wanted to bring people in because you know it's it's important to give everybody an opportunity and here's the thing they're incredible like the people yeah. that we casted for this i there's in, awesome in every job. film in every film you can kind of look at someone like well maybe if we if we and you take it hard as a director like well if i directed them a specific way maybe i could have got something different out of them and 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 you, there's a lot of self-blame that goes on afterwards right during the debrief okay what could we have done better how could we have made this cleaner and whatnot but in this film i think that there are no weak spots in terms of the cast i i love our cast i really do yeah. i think that Same. they gave everything and, and here's the thing they brought a lot to the characters themselves i mean, know that eric i know it's one of those things where and I, I have a story about you, Eric, too. I don't know if Jessica will tell, but I'll tell it here. Um, oh, no. Where, no, it's a great story. Done, done, done. Yeah. And so, and so it, it's part of it where you read these people, you kind of see, like you said, you kind of know they'd, they'd be good for one thing and, and, and you kind of read them. And Eric, we always had you in mind for a role. We just didn't know where we were going to put you because of, you know, how talented you were and who we could work opposite of that was a big thing too the pairing was a big thing we at one point we yeah. talked about maybe pairing uh jessica's character with ash and there were you know we just try and figure out what works best for the film and, and whatnot 
But Eric, through your audition, and I don't want to blow too much smoke up your ass, but you really kind of elevated yourself to like the cream of the crop when it came to casting. And it went from, okay, we're going to put Eric in probably a role that you would have done well in, but been underutilized to like, oh, shit. a day player. Yeah. Yeah, it's, you know, a, it's like well, it yeah, was more than a day player, Fuji. It it's an important than... role in the film, <laughs> yeah, but, but it's it was, like a one day, a one no, day shoot. Anyway, anyway, um, but no, shoot. but through your audition, Eric, you just you. Of course, we know how talented you are, but like, the big part is, can somebody do something different? Right? Give them. Jessica loves to say, "Well, just do something completely different, differently, just so they can take the actress can take some type of direction. How do they change it? What can they do differently? If you ask them to do something different and they don't." you know what does that mean but eric your your audition was one of the best auditions i had ever seen and, and jessica too for that matter no for no and it's true and, he, and he's waiting but it's, it's it's absolutely true and because of that that was reflective of where we put you in the film which is i mean the I, the top two leads it's kind of an ensemble cast you probably a four definitely an ensemble cast but he's absolutely. the male lead of the yeah ensemble cast. <laughs> so so yeah i think that the casting part of it is we took a lot of time we examined a lot of people and um, I think everybody's okay. is perfect in where they ended up. And, and anyway, Jessica, I don't want to. I, I, no. I agree. Well, and it's funny. I just want to interject real quick. Cut her off. Cut her it's off. funny Cut that it. you tell that story because <sighs> I was, there was, there's obviously I've worked with these people. I'm comfortable with these people. These but people? That, <laughs> you people. Um, but there's always, I mean, there's still that those audition jitters, whether you, okay. whether you admit them or not, they are there. They were real. Uh, like I always get nerves whenever I'm auditioning for you. And I remember very distinctly, you sent me this script, you sent me the scene, you sent me this character and I'm like, okay, I'm pretty keyed in on this. I feel good. And then I remember we did the audition and Chris is one of those people where he's just like, yeah, man, fucking great. That's, no, it's you're so, you're so good like yeah. shit like, that was perfect that was great that was, that was great i wouldn't <laughs> change the every true. time he's like that's perfect i don't that's have any true. notes and i remember feeling really good after the audition and then i shit you not the the day after i get a text and i think it was from jess who was like hey so we so so we liked what you what you did but we'd like you to read a different character and i was like i fucked it up <laughs> I fucked it up. God damn it. Like I was, I spiraled that whole day. I was like, I felt so good about it. Chris told me I was perfect and I fucked it up and I can't play this character. So it's, it's funny that you say that. Cause that was, cause my experience was very Anxiety. much like, fuck, Sorry. God damn it. That's why I try to tell Chris to play it cool every time. She and he does. never does. And he never does. He's always like, but that, but that's something I love about Chris when it comes to like any kind of thing you know pre-production he's like yeah, yeah that's perfect like he yeah. he loves making people feel comfortable and that's something yeah, that really not every that. director does thank you <laughs> and so it. that's that that is absolutely something that you should take that's something that you should be proud of because there i have worked on other sets where the directors do not go out of their way to make them to make people feel as comfortable as oh both of you do so that's Sorry. I agree. I Big think Chris screen. has like a really good knack for that. I say it all the time that I'm just like, there's sometimes we can see actors starting to get in their heads, you know, like if they're mm -hmm. just not nailing the take that they want really good and stuff. 
And I feel like either Chris has a sixth sense for it or he just knows how to like, he can feel it, but he knows how to like get them amped again. You know what I mean? Like he can be really positive. Uh, I'm good at trying to get notes to get people out of their head, yeah. but he's good at bringing like the hype and the excitement and to get people to just be like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm killing it. You know, it's and he and he's not bullshitting people like that's his For genuine sure. excitement, which is why it works, you know? And it's a good thing that I've never had to be in that position and I've never gotten in my head about anything never. when it comes to acting. <laughs> so I'm gonna take your word for it. <laughs> but but Jess, I wanted to I wanted to talk to you about this, about the whole casting process and kind uh -huh. of building this out because I mean you've yeah. worked with a lot of these people before as well and being right. able to kind of give them meaty roles that they can gnaw on even for like you said some of the day players yeah we were i mean in the writing process coming up with these characters we talked a lot about like what makes them different and special and things like that so right off the bat we knew that we didn't want to have you know two characters be too similar we didn't want to have people who like you know this is just kind of a filler character like we were like really trying to like like what is this person's thing and it's a horror movie so you can give people like kind of those stereotypical things but we try to avoid from being like way way stereotypical <laughs> <laughs> you know but there is like there's something to it where it's like how can we immediately identify this character here it is like that's the right. core of this character um but it, you know so we were really into that and i mean we tried to keep some things really fluid the couple we talked about a long time making them a gay couple whether it was lesbian or gay um interesting yeah, yeah for a long we tried yeah we, we talked to a few different people about like the different like the two of them um but honestly it was just if it ash and taylor just ended up killing like the auditions in general that it was just it was one of those where it's like they're you tremendous. know, we really yeah. wanted to go this way. <laughs> their, their chemistry but is really good. Their chemistry, their chemistry is, good. is so good. <laughs> so and that's what's like, fun about that process, too, yeah. is like getting into that and meeting so many people and watching them perform and being like, oh, wait a second. Hold on. Yeah. They've never yeah. like met before. They never like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like any of that. And um, our first time working with Taylor uh, in an acting sense. And it was, yeah, super, super awesome. Um, and so yeah i think this was one of those really cool ones where we had talked about a lot of different names and where to put them um and then we just started reading people and, and it really did it just really built itself at that point i mean there was you know we weren't trying to when we were looking at the different names it was always like okay well this is like a maybe you know but we always still like tried to read the maybe if, even if it wasn't for that role just to kind of look at it um sure. but yeah this this cast it was really nice in the way that it just came together like it felt like there was no other choices so um, diversity was definitely a big part of it. We tried to reach out to different people for that reason. Um, but like I said, some some things work out, some things don't. We still at least had a pretty diverse cast. Could have been a little bit more, but you can always do better. <laughs> there's, there's always room to grow. And that's yeah. something that I've always taken from working with you guys. Because listeners, the two of them are very good at what they do. But if you ask them, there are a million things that they could do better on. Oh, it's uh, They are perfectionists <laughs> so to the definition of the word. And though they are very good about often not letting that show to other people, you can see it in the work that they do. And you can see it. You can see a very specific mindset that I call the theater mindset of like, we know what we've got to do. We just got to figure out how to do it. And there's <laughs> like, there's a magic in that, that you, that both of you always kind of bring to this. And regardless of the equipment you're using, the limitations on 
your space, the time aspect, the availability of cast, you're able to make a lot of that work. But what was really exciting about this, and I know both of you were very excited about this, was this film brought in a big um, equipment upgrade. Mm-hmm. That's true. So Chris. can you talk about that a little gearhead. bit? Yeah, the gearhead. <laughs> yeah, the gearhead. Welcome uh, to Top Gear. Yeah, thanks. Strap in, strap on. Let's do it. Um, <laughs> that's so we did. This is the first uh, feature that we had. We got to shoot with uh, our new red camera, so that was a big deal for us. And you know, um, I think we we're with... just talking about this camera. We were just talking about how yeah. long this camera needs to last, as opposed to the <laughs> other cameras. Chris yeah. is notorious for upgrading his gear. Like he just like keeps being like, "Now nah, this is like we just got to do better. We got to do better." And it's like this is so far. I think the camera we've had the longest for one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah already it, de- it definitely is, and and it's it's a good point because you know we talk about where you you know you take what what you make from your art and you put that much money back into it and there's like there's like a balance to it and so this was the first time when we were able to like afford a red camera and we were able to shoot the entire feature on the same camera being a red camera shooting in a very high bit depth rate which i remember the first time that i saw it and i was like holy shit and actually eric it was with you and yours and jim scene when you guys were walking doing the walk and talk Mm. um i think that i don't know that was the first time you had met but you guys hit it off real fast speaking of chemistry like everybody had such (laughs) everybody had such really good chemistry but i don't only run that but when i looked at the we'll we'll come back to that because we have a funny thing i I looked at the image coming out and i was like this just looks different and so it got me really excited that people were going to take us as a little bit more seriously like as you upgrade your gear inevitably people that make movies will ask you what did you shoot on you know what and that just comes up like oh great how was your you know what did you shoot on how big was your budget you can flip and flop those questions what however but that's what they're going to ask. And so for us to get the credibility of being, oh, yeah, we shot on a red, that instantly makes you, even if it's not true, because I think that we've shot, and people are capable of shooting really good stuff on Blackmagic, Sony's, Canon's. Like there, there are a ton of cameras out there that can really produce a wonderful image. But when you say you shot it on a red, there's just something that kind of like, oh, shit, really? Well, let me see it. And so that being said, I don't know if that's why, but I can. I think that's partly why our trailer has, 5.5 thousand views now and the Ooh. next closest thing that's funny so like i'm not yeah, i know it's actually not a lot in terms of everything but like the next closest thing for us was like under a thousand so like yeah it's, youtube doesn't you know, do great yeah the growth youtube gotta love it though we, we don't, don't and no one does because it's all don't know the algorithms yeah but you know we, we were able to shoot with the red we end up having some 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 lights that can really do a job and 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 it just it just feels like when we get onto set that our gear is not holding us back. In in the mindset, you know, of me, like when it comes to the tech part of it and the DP and whatnot, I don't have to be like, oh, we can't do that because we don't have this. And now, since basically the beginning of this film, everything that we could possibly do, we had an answer for in our gear yeah. kit. And we don't have a lot of money. We're not a rental house. We we you know we spend our own money on this stuff, but we make it work. And I think the images uh, are, are going to come out great. I really do. I'm very proud of the way this film looks. And I think you, I think you, should you be. will too. You will too. I think you will. Well, I remember there was a, very specifically, there's a scene in a bar where mm-hmm. we had to drive out. Yeah, sure. A, a, a little bit of distance yeah, to get to. And, and I remember... That was the coolest we were, bar, though. It was a cool bar. I would go back if it wasn't that far. Same. <laughs> that that could be a regular haunt if it wasn't an hour and a half away. Yeah, that's all. That's... 
but I remember setting up for a dolly shot. And when you were just showing us the immediate, you know, the immediate dailies for that, I was like, this shit looks good. Yeah. And it's like, even, even stuff that I wasn't privy to, to see immediately playback. Like I could tell from set dressing, from deco, like they're shooting for a very specific reason and they're shooting for a very specific vibe and a very specific uh, lighting. And that was something that I thought was really interesting about all of the set deco because your locations have always been, in my personal opinion, a strength for your projects. Oh, thank you. And the the amount of research the amount of research that they do for their locations oh, is man. fucking ridiculous. Yeah. And <laughs> uh, I I just want to kind of you know give you your props on that because I love every location that I've been able to you know be fortunate fortunate enough to be on but also locations that i haven't been on and that you've been able to do so how was that this time around because locations can be very yeah very hit or miss mm -hmm. yeah yeah um <laughs> you're right it's some days and this is this is 100 true like on a saturday night at nine i might well let me hop on to pure space let me see if there's any cool locations that we can just put on our board or gigster and um and that's really how we do it. And unfortunately, your locations are expensive. I mean, the yeah. biggest part of our budget go towards locations. And and you're you're right. I think the it is hard to find. We we I mean, we had to drive out to Ventura, like you said, an hour and a half, yep. but the location costs us 60 bucks an hour. So where, you know, if you're shooting an eight-hour day, gas, all that stuff. But yeah, up. our our locations, we we do. I try very hard to find cool locations, and I know Jessica will help out yeah. too. We all have a shared board, Dustin too, for that matter. So we just throw stuff on the board, like, hey, maybe this will work, you know. And um, some places fall off, like the place where we shot one of our key scenes, not even available anymore. You couldn't do it if you so, That's you know, crazy. Yeah, it kind of comes uh -huh. and it goes, but but I'm glad you said that because we spend a lot of time looking for locations. Like they are expensive and they are hard to find. And here in LA you know this nothing as soon as you tell someone you're making a movie bam it's like telling them you're getting married which we also know about yep. um the price <laughs> goes up like 300 bucks like yeah. as soon as you say that like hey you're shooting a movie cool you, you know bump it up the price up. two times exactly yeah. so it's very difficult to to get something without without a high cost and, and we get it it's filmmaking but for us the very small group it's very different than if netflix brings in a show or hbo or whatnot right. you know jessica and i are yeah. paying half of our paycheck let's you know we have to wait till next month so we can pay for this location yeah. you know to light this alley and that was one of the scenes that you know you and jim are in right. and, and taylor yeah. and ash where it's like we had to rent that alley which was you know the back side of somebody's wall and it was like 100 bucks an hour Whoa. so yeah yeah and, but it's like otherwise you're looking at getting like permits for alleys and all this stuff like you know what i mean it's like yeah. the you're or getting murdered if it works for the it's film, if we movie. can capture it. Yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, even that's a good example of like, like that one, you know, we, you, you rent it and everything. We like scouted it beforehand, did all this stuff. And it, and it was, it wasn't the greatest experience with like the person who rented it to us in the sense that when we scouted it, they didn't show up. Um, luckily it was just open. So we were able to take oh, a look right. anyways. Um, and then like the first day we went to go shoot, like upon arrival for shooting, we were told like, oh yeah, we only have this amount of power. Like it's only 20 yeah. amps or something like that. So it's like, 
and that's it like you so you can't run big actual like lights that generally you run for sets basically which right. they knew we were coming to film and it's one of those like you know and then they're like oh it's fine though like just go get a generator and we're like we're already on the clock <laughs> if you had told yeah. us that even an hour ago maybe yeah. we could have got a generator but um, luckily we were prepared because that is kind of what we do but yeah yeah. And that's part of it. Jessica, she nailed it where it says, I, I always have a backup plan. And I tell people that when you're going to filmmaking, if you do something creative, have a backup plan. If what you think or hope doesn't, doesn't pan out, what will you do then? So mm -hmm. it's important as a leader and as a director to have those, those questions already answered. So for us, we knew that, and again, you go back to the gear that we have now, we have lights that have a low amperage usage that we know that we could split and then it wouldn't knock their power. Because if we did draw, throw a breaker, no one was on set. Like they no. were all off site. So, but, you know, it was like, Hey, you, you, you have to know exactly what you can pull from. And if you go over that, you're, you know, you've just blown X amount of dollars. So there's a lot of stress that goes into it. You talk about audition stress when, and, and you know, this, Eric, when we go to rent a location and film there, I tell everybody, it's like, Hey guys, we're on the clock. We just need to yep. be on our P's and Q's because it's a hard out. If it, you, otherwise you get charged times two, if you're an hour late and mm -hmm. it looks bad, your rating goes down and all these things can accumulate to where you can no longer rent things on these websites. So it's very important to be perfect, not good, perfect when, you know, going in and getting out. So it's, well, that also fosters like a, a collaborative environment. Like obviously it takes a village to make a film Absolutely. it takes a village to make a scene and <laughs> what i do love about being able to to work with y'all is the collaborative environment where it feels like we're all working together towards something it's not a hey we're rolling in here you need to do this this and this and if you don't do that you're fucking you're fired or like well, i'm gonna shove you over to the side like Chris can be very curt sometimes as a business <laughs> businessman, but like, it's always like, Hey, we're working together to make sure this happens. And it fosters a good relationship. And it very quickly, just like in theater gives you this atmosphere of like, we're all working towards a goal. And so we all need to be on the same page because we're all on the same team. And I would love to ask you both, if you have any stories about the team that we had, because there were lots of personalities working on this film. And <laughs> you mentioned a story earlier that I, I'm curious about, but just getting into some of the some of the stories about, you know, whether we had to scramble to make something happen or whether it was just like a funny thing that we had backstage, because this this film was shot over the course of essentially a year in yeah, multiple yeah. locations with multiple moving parts and people coming in and out. And I know for me, there were certain people who I had never really worked with, Jim being one of them. We oh, had worked yeah. briefly for a moment and for a, for a cup of coffee where I stared at him from across a bar. Oh, but yeah, like beyond right. that, we had <laughs> never really interacted. And I remember very distinctly there was apparently a concern that, <laughs> that we would not have chemistry together. And Let being me just... told that in retrospect is hilarious, but at the time was terrible. Terrible. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, like, you both auditioned, we're both really great at these roles. But um, from my perspective, I could tell that there was like nerves going in, like mm -hmm. for both parts. Like, right. I don't know if it's, I don't know if Chris picked up on that. 
or if it's just because I come from that side that I just yeah. go like, no, like, I think that this person's nervous. I think they're a little nervous because they're doing great things. But like the when they get into a hiccup, you can tell it kind of like draws them back a little bit and then like they get back into it. Um, and so I think that honestly is what it is. It's like, a, you know, uh, so like going into it, we we're like, oh, we'll have them like, you know, do a rehearsal together. We'll do it on Zoom because at the time that was the easiest thing instead of making everybody get together, yeah. um, which if anyone does work on like scene study or anything on Zoom, um, you know, not the most ideal. Shit's you hard. <laughs> <laughs> you can do it. Some people are actually pretty brilliant at it nowadays, but um, much harder than just doing it in person. Uh, and so, yeah, there was like some pressure. I think we like read you guys together. And then I think Chris was kind of like, I don't know about their chemistry. He's like, they yeah. fucking suck. And I was like, they literally <laughs> just that. met <laughs> on Zoom. They like are both like kind of nervous, I think. Like they're just starting to fill it out. But yeah, it became a thing where Chris was like, I'm going to tell him. I'm going to tell you. Know? <laughs> it's like, Jim, you know, you're really great for this role. But I, like, I, I'm, I, I need you to have more chemistry with her. <laughs> you know Which what? is a hilarious I, thing I, to oh say. God. I need you to have more chemistry. I hadn't parts. thought about that, but you're right. I'm like, <laughs> yes. oh, I was. I'm like, you guys, that's right. I'm like, I even thought like maybe they should hang out. Maybe we should three. That's right. You guys I gotta go like hang out together. Gotta go. Years. That's true. <laughs> and it's we, so and no, 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 go ahead. Because I'm gonna but probably. I was gonna say that, but I think where also Chris is coming from is it's like he was talking about earlier about what these roles were in the movie, and right. like there was a big theme about like family and relationships and yes. like the relationships you build and like so there's real sisters but there's also like the two guy characters are like a like they are a brotherly relationship it's but yeah. it's more a relationship they picked but chris has a brother and has a very strong relationship with his brother and i think mm -hmm. the most he can identify with some characters might be through these two characters so there might have been a little bit of some bias of like no, this needs to be really good. <laughs> <laughs> and right now, y'all suck. No, and it didn't say that. Zoom, like... <laughs> I'm not feeling it. <laughs> and it's but... it's funny because like across the process, yeah. we did get to know each other and we got yeah. to hang out a little bit. And like Jim is just Jim is such a good guy. Like he's, he's such just an easy going. Like yeah, you can get to know him so quick, and you're kind of similar. Like you're both like very charismatic and easy to talk to. Is it, he's, and it's it's good to be in kind of that environment when it's like, oh, there's a little bit of trepidation. We don't know if this is going to work. And then when it does, it's like, oh, OK, cool. We We're got good. this. I hope. Yeah. I haven't seen the film. I'm <laughs> sure it's great. But, <laughs> but do, you, do you guys have any any stories or any like funny things that you would like to share about your your experience working on the film, whether it's with people or whether it's with equipment or any other th any other stuff? Go for it, Fitches. I got a bunch. <laughs> like the one that immediately stands out is like um there's a there's a third person to our tripod as we call it sometimes or chris calls it the, I tripod. Really should the tripod. tripod is like chris's thing and he still does it sometimes he'll text us hey tripod and the i'm tripod. like <laughs> i can okay. absolutely see that 100 percent um and so and it's dustin like dustin reefer he's a he's got a small part in this uh film too Returning hey. from retirement. Return, don't yeah. call it a comeback. He's he's he is a classic like pro wrestler retirement where he retires yes. a thousand times. A thousand times, <laughs> and then come he comes back. back. Yeah, <laughs> he had the same kind of experience that you were saying about like the like the auditioning. I mean, he didn't. I don't think we had him audition necessarily, but we did rehearse with him. Yeah. Um, and he had the same like he's like it's so much harder to do this in front of like the people you know, like people yeah. you know, like it just feels so much harder than like doing it in front of strangers 
teachers are like very formal. Um, but yeah, uh, we didn't, Dustin had like moved away at the start of this film and went back to Tucson. And so this was like our first feature film basically without Dustin since we got out here. Mm -hmm. um, and so it was a lot of work and it was like, it was tough. And then by the time we got to Tucson, we filmed like in Tucson for six days, seven days. Um, mm -hmm. And he was able available to come help and it was like immediately like the first day <laughs> oh yeah this guy shows up one we hadn't like all it was was like here's a call time like please come help us you know sort of thing um but he shows up with like an entire care package by the yeah. way he has power aids he has um like energy drinks yeah, yeah like all these snacks and stuff and he's just like yeah you know like a little bit of coffee if you need this but then like electrolytes like he was just like it was um, like this shining beacon and like all we needed was his presence and like it was immediately i was like i've missed this so much and i didn't realize how much of a role <laughs> like it was just like don't ever leave us ever again <laughs> <laughs> so i have to give a shout out to him because it's just like even though he was only here for like about half of the film it was it's just like oh he was it so was felt much help. Yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah chris go ahead with one um, you know, you talk about the team, right? Cause there's a bunch of like shout outs that we can do and it probably will, Absolutely. but like the stunt team, right? Like at this point, yes. I think yeah. everybody, I mean, uh, when we were filming in Tucson, Jesse Pickering, someone who you guys the knew goat? very well. Uh, yeah. Yes. And like this dude like, comes in and he teaches. He the plays our scarecrow, cast. by the way. Let me just like, he plays the scarecrow. I have to like. Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> he is so okay, like i just have to i keep wanting to like just credit him for it because it's so freaking amazing he is credited he as a scarecrow i know but i just like i have to say it again too oh, okay, okay, like, okay he is so brilliant at like yeah. i like i yeah. feel so bad because we continually <laughs> put him in masks <laughs> you're we tom hardying him, him i know we throw him in masks all the time or we make him a zombie or it's just something that's like not super recognizable yeah. doesn't necessarily have lines like and but he's so good he's so his physical jesse pickering is one of the best physical actors i've ever seen 100 percent. i can't life i can't it's so good so yeah, yeah. sorry chris but I well no no that. just when when we're in tucson jesse pickering i mean he at, at when we went to film in tucson at some point everybody had to stunt whether it's a fight mm -hmm. whether it's a stab some type of and jesse was our guy to kind of coach everybody how to do that safely which is the most important thing yeah and then how it looked on camera i mean it, it, he was there's no amount of value that i can put on jesse how how he helped this film like he yeah. was a godsend as much as dustin was on the tech side jesse was yes. on the physicality the choreography side the stunting side and so yeah he was he was awesome awesome yeah he came um, on the days that he wasn't filming just to like yeah. watch and to help with the the um choreography and stuff and the coordinating and it made such a difference like it really did it's yeah. just it that like we, these are the best fight scenes probably we've ever done like they they look so good I have been dying for the last year because I've been taking a lot of uh, mocap mo and pcap oh, yeah. classes. Oh, legit! And they're like, "Oh yeah, you like, you don't need like a, f a specific like mocap reel for these kind of projects. You just need like a movement reel. Like if you've got like movement in in you know film or even like dance or boxing or anything, or if you've got stunt choreography." And I'm like, "This fucking project isn't released yet. I need this footage. I need this footage because <laughs> it's some of the footage. best." physicality that i've ever i've ever been a part of and you were so yeah. good there's you are so my favorite good. line like, my favorite thing we said on set is you're such a good bottom 
But Jesse no, said that. that back. Jesse don't said that. Don't bring that back. Don't bring it back. Eric is an amazing bottom. It's said. It's done. <laughs> God damn it! I thought we left that back in Tucson. No, it's never dead. It's no, never th- there was there was a very specific. There's a very specific scene. Jessica knows the one where it was a long shoot with a mm-hmm. lot of moving parts with stunts, and we were going. And there were points of exhaustion. There were points of frustration. And by the end of it, I was like, this is one of the most physical things that I have ever done. And I feel so good about this. And I like, and a lot of that goes again into people who have stunt experience, whether it's Jesse, whether it's Brittany, who also Also, is a absolute, absolute unit when it comes to stunt yeah. work she yeah. choreographed like, like a, a lot all of, of our like, la all stuff of it. like, like yeah. even some of the stuff in tucson she did tucson too yeah i was gonna that's say true. yeah mm-hmm. but yeah that's but yeah watching her and jesse work what i thought was really oh. really cool because yeah, they I they bounced off each other not just like chemistry wise but also in oh, right. ideas for stunt work you like, saw okay, that maybe you were, we could you do were this part of that. we could do that yeah yeah they were part of that see i wasn't i wasn't privy to that meeting you guys dude you guys did that all on your own we're yeah, like hey great. this is what we want and then you guys came back with it which was fucking awesome so and again very collaborative and right. having that kind of like push and pull with it i thought was really really fun yeah, I was the first time I put we put the two of them together was uh, in my short that ended up going into Dark Chronicles, which yeah. is what hides within. So you got to play like a zombie-ish character and like was attacking her. And I remember that I was like, okay, like I know he's great at zombies. I'm so sorry, Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> and then like we knew we were going to use Brittany and they both had that experience. So it was kind of perfect. But the same thing, it was like introducing them and getting to work. And I remember her saying that she was just like, it's insane. Like, like their trust right away was really good and yeah. he's and he's very excellent and being like gentle and like but still like they're like having that consent of like can we do this how far is this is this okay like they were just so great so it was bringing them back was just like perfect i was like this is going to be awesome and it was like i just constantly am like how many more things can we choreograph with the two of them seriously <laughs> like, like hollywood i know you're listening i know all the yeah. big wigs in hollywood listen to this podcast hire jesse becker <laughs> right. Yeah, bring him back out here. Yeah, let's get him out here. Yeah, let's get him out here. Let's get him out here. Jesse and and Brittany together and make them do all the things. There's so that's the thing about it, right? We talk about an hour long one take fight scene. Yeah, oh my god, they would probably hate us, (laughs) (laughs) but they would love every second of it. But like that, that's the cool thing about the group, right? You mentioned about like it is a collaborative team and it takes a village. And to do that, they actors have to trust you and you have to trust them, and it's like there has to be that mesh. And so John Noble, John Noble yes. was in a, you know, he's in a, a pivotal scene where there is some stunting. So there's that, um, Michaela, Michaela yeah. had to kind of get us through a point where we had to kind of move them to move their body in a way that we, you know, we looked violent, but wasn't so, you know, and so all of these great, like court, like people who are okay with, first of all, asking an actor to be like, Hey, are you okay with being thrown on the ground? Hey, are you okay with feigning a kick and being punched in the face? Like that's yeah. a hard ask as a director. Like, for you know sure. what I mean? They didn't sign up for that. Like, so like when I asked Steve McKee, Can you the fall? Script, they Steve, Steve looks at me, he's like, <laughs> fall where? How far? Oh, I know, yeah. you, you know what I mean? Like Steve is very like, Hey, I'm here to, to really, you know, <laughs> but I'm not going to fall. Ultimate yeah. professional. Yeah. You can literally have him do anything. And he's like, yeah, all right. 
but I won't have him fall. Like that's like, but that's the thing that I wouldn't ask Steve. But never. So you we talk were, about we were 100%, that, right? He is not falling. <laughs> yeah, this man needs to stay on his feet. So, but and, and and but that's the thing about this. You ask people to do things that they can easily say no, and you feel bad asking, but they don't. I think because the actors trust the directors, the directors, the directors trust the actors to get something out of you know what the final product is. Everybody's proud of, and yeah, like you mentioned, it, it takes that village, and so everybody was everybody was on board with that. Kendron, Kendron, what came out to us yes. in the cornfield? Kendron's allergic to corn i didn't know this and really he didn't tell me. yeah when we went to go film on the cornfield with you know that scene with uh john Brittany, um and so he actually had to wear a glove a mask oh like gosh. i'm talking like unabomber status and so he no part of his skin could get touched by these corn stalks it was like yeah. the grass yeah he had like wow. reactions to that yeah. he knew it dedication. but he was like yeah i know he told me he's like hey my epi pen is in my my leg you know it was like <laughs> that it was on no, i'm not even kidding like so so for wow. kendon to do that like you know again go back to other people that believe in in the story they're telling and in the team and, and the trust and like you know there is a friendship that goes along with that and that's why for sure just to kind of transition that to the responsibility as a director and as a creative to make something that people are proud of is massive. Like I say this all the time, like the amount of pressure I have, not, not if some, not if people see it, not if it gets distribution, not if it sells a million tickets, not, it's just that the people that were in it, that dedicated their time and they sweat and the gallons of fake blood. And when they'd fall on the or cut themselves. Yeah. Like, like, like it, it matters to me that those people like are proud of what they did they're they're proud of of their of their work and and to me in events like we're talking about like with jesse and john and Brittany and you and jessica double timing it you know what i mean doing the effects and going jumping back in front of the camera and like all of that shit if you see something that's not good it, it feels like they wasted, you know, the actor wasted their time. And it's just like, mm. that would be heartbreaking. So we try, I take it very personal. That's why I stay up late. That's why I edit. That's why you talk about those rewrites and the editing that happens over and over and over and over again. And, you know, it's just to make the people that are involved with your film, just very proud that they were able to be part of something. It's, it's very personal. So, yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, speaking just from my personal experience, you know, we talked about, this was kind of like my first my first big lead for a project and i i took that very seriously because it meant a lot to me that you were willing to give me the ball to run with but also like the amount of trust that you put in to these people it's not just like us trusting you to like make an environment for us to be able to feel safe and to play, but also it's you putting the trust in us to bring that vision forward, especially when it comes to you being, you both being writers and directors. This is your vision 100% of the way. And so there is a certain amount of responsibility with the great power that we have. Place <laughs> uh, that, you know, I personally felt where I was like, you don't want to let these people down because they trust in you. They believe in you. This is their baby and they're allowing you to hold their baby. Don't put it in a microwave. Like this oh. is something that you need to take care of. And I personally cannot wait to see it. And I cannot wait for other people to see it. Yeah. Uh, 
Get your it's, tickets, people. Get your tickets. This is the, this is the the tra the transition over. Like I said, I'm going to be putting the link in the show notes where you can buy tickets. Again, for those of you who didn't catch it the first time, it's going to be at the Lamley in Glendale, November second. It's a Thursday at seven p.m. Mm -hmm. Sharp. Be there yep. or be square. Not a circle. <laughs> Look at that. Um. But I, I just, I, I loved being part of this. I loved being able to experience this with you. This was an extensive trial for yeah. the two of you to go through. Because again, I, I mentioned this before, but this is, this is a two, sometimes three person operation. Mm -hmm. They do it all. And I get to be really lucky and just go there, have my fun, and then I get to leave. So, <laughs> we definitely put you to work during and that so, time. And, but, and I'm yes. happy to do it because the amount of work that you guys put in is astronomical. Indie filmmaking is some of the hardest filmmaking that you can do. And the the bravery, the blood, the sweat, the gallons of fake blood, as you said, that you know you go through to put something like this together is tremendous and it's horrifying in its own way yeah. because it's such a monolith of like what you have to get done that you yeah. are responsible for and i am just immensely proud of the two of you for putting this together all the way to a big old premiere in los angeles at a theater like it's a big it's a big fucking deal and i just want to give you both your flowers for this because it's thanks man it's it's well deserved with how hard both of you work thank yeah, you i think we it. feel thank that you. too it's um yeah this was one of those ones where we probably wore way too many hats <laughs> yeah you two um, never no i feel very i think i'm happy that we co-directed it i think that that was very that made it a lot easier on both of us in general, even though I'm sure Chris will argue that it did make it harder. At <laughs> oh, we have to agree on how to do this. Great. Um, oh, darn. <laughs> you know, but, um, but no, overall it's like, you know, like I can't, I couldn't have acted in it and done any kind of good performance if it wasn't for Chris being able to like fully take the reins during that time. And then, um, you know, just having that give and take of like, Hey, you know, I, I'm handling this right now. I'm handling like the makeup and things like that for the shoot day. I can't do this part and he can jump in and do that. Um, you know, I, I really am. I feel very happy. I get to like work with Chris on these projects and everything. And I'm happy we co-directed it. And I'm happy we have so many people that are willing to like come along for the journey with us and like be yeah. in it. Like, I don't yeah. think it's lost on us, Eric, that this was like a big role for you. I think we were very happy to give it to you you know it was and it wasn't well, giving it, it. yeah he, it he, wasn't he giving it. it like that's exactly it it wasn't a moment of being like does he deserve this shot should we give it to him you know he's paid his dues no it was more like oh my god he freaking killed it and yes he's clearly paid his dues like why haven't we done this yet but he's gonna rock it it was like that kind of like energy you know what i mean um i don't know i just i feel very blessed and i'm really excited that it's going to be out there. There's a lot of stress that comes off of it being out there. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. The nerves, but at the same time, it's like it's going to go. And I and I really hope you guys are like super proud of it. I think you'll be proud of like your performances and and everything. And I I hope overall the the movie makes you guys just as proud as I think we feel about everybody involved. Yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. It's funny. Real quick, I I know. Just, I just want to touch on this real quick about Slaughterhouse. No, so we filmed at Slaughterhouse in Tucson, which is they've been really 
they yeah for my yeah, shout out to slaughterhouse yeah and it's funny because i think about you eric where when we filmed uh overwatch which is the first thing oh, I think full just circle that that's that's like four lifetimes ago Chris. so right i know and so but but it's funny because that's where you and me first met and yeah. that's i think where we, we kind of funny enough we talked about Stephen key your scene was with Stephen key in this one with you Stephen john on uh, one of them and so we talk about that and it was a big deal for me and I, I, and I told this to Jessica a bunch of times where I said, if we could go back to Slaughterhouse now, because I think it's a wonderful location. It's actually haunted. There, there are stories about Legit that. Haunted. Legit haunted. Oh, my God. All of us have uh, yeah. stories. How yeah. did we not Onset. talk about that anyways? <laughs> I, I know. If you ask, yeah, it's terrifying. Yeah. But like, so, so part of it was, you know, you show growth through your work and through you know, how you can, you can visibly see things. That's the medium we're in through, through the visual arts. So right. I think about Overwatch and I, and I also, Jessica, man, if we could ever get back to Slaughterhouse and just take what we have now, we take the cameras, take the lights, take the actors, you know, get our best, we take our best shot, right? And we were able to do that. And I feel that when people see what we were able to accomplish in there, I think that it's going to be one of those things like, holy shit, like, you did, you know, it's like you, you, you came to the fight, ready to fight. And you won. you weren't expecting the, oh, Hey, we're here. Let's take a wild shot. Maybe we'll hit something, but no, we went there fully expecting to win. And we did with what we, with what we accomplished. So I think it's going to be really cool. And I'm glad that it's funny. Again, we talk about full circle. You were there for that. You know, mm -hmm. you were there for that first giant mess that overwatch was. And now we get yeah. to come back and we get to sit in a premiere, like you said, in Los Angeles and, our careers have kind of been fortunate enough to kind of stay aligned with each other's and yeah. so of our friendships. And so we went from Tucson, Arizona, which is a great, we're all from there. We love it. Now we're in it's Los true. Angeles, California, having, having a premiere for our most recent movie in seven days. Well, seven days from this day, it's recording probably day after tomorrow. Uh, what, what, when we release, it'll be two days, two days, <laughs> two days. Two days. <laughs> yeah yeah we'll have to we'll have, have to have outfit. a drink Eric. yeah we'll have to we'll have to we'll have to share a nice glass of something expensive definitely the absolutely us, agree you know and so but yeah it's 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 and i find that and there's for me there's a lot of sentimental value in that like of course you know and you put so much of your life into it you know some people have careers i i this kind of has been my favorite part of my life this far and to have people that i'm still friends with that are willing to sit and talk about movies Oh, you know, like us right now on, it's just, you know, you hope to have a, a life full of things you want to do. And I've been very fortunate over the past decade and some to do that. And you guys have had such a big influence on me and still do. So I'm very fortunate. And so it's not lost on me that when this movie comes out, the people that have kind of enriched my life over the past decade will be there to celebrate together in this big accomplishment, probably the biggest accomplishment that I've ever done in my life this far. So it's, it's very sentimental to me. So I hope it, I hope that comes across in the statement. Absolutely. And it, yeah. it, I, I want you to know that it is, the feeling is mutual. I am forever grateful. And I think I, for, for one time only, I'm going to speak for the entire cast and that I think we're, we're all incredibly grateful to be part of this project. We're all incredibly grateful to have, you know, captains that are steering the ship who love it and have a passion for it. And speaking of love, there is something else that is very exciting going on because listeners, you might not be aware of this. I've talked about this before. Uh, I, y'all know at this point that I'm getting married. Congratulations, um, sir. Congrats. Two other people are getting married. And what? it's wow. weird because 
they might be on this podcast. It's the weirdest <laughs> thing. As we are recording this, by the time, this time next month, these two, these two little knuckleheads are going to be married as well. And they are waist deep and not just <laughs> setting up a film premiere, but also setting up a wedding. Ugh. So you, you want to talk about wearing a thousand hats. Um, they are I don't doing know the what's most. wrong with us. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like you can't not wear a hundred hats. Like you I have can't... to be constantly stressed out. I feel like I'm going insane. I tried to tell Chris and Dustin, like as soon as we were done editing this thing, I was like, cool, I'm going to take like several months off. Like I'm going to take like three months off, just not do anything. And immediately Dustin's like, hey, I want to meet up so we could talk about the next film thing. Of course do. he did. And, I was like, <laughs> and he was like, you had like a week. You got like a week off. That was good. Like that's enough, right? <laughs> I was just like, why? And they're just talking about what they want to do next. And I'm like, why? <laughs> but so with your with your upcoming nuptials and it being the Halloween season, I wanted to throw you a curveball and ask you each this question. And I'm very it. curious what you come up with. <laughs> you two are both big horror buffs, big Halloween buffs, big film buffs. If there is a horror movie that you would use to describe your perfect marriage what horror movie would you use this is such an interesting question <laughs> i did not prep them for this question listener i've had this in my back pocket the whole time um i'm gonna go jaws Ooh, do tell because you're gonna need a bigger boat bro oh shit <laughs> Okay, all right. Hell yeah. Oh, man. Damn it. I should have went first. How do I follow that? <laughs> uh, maybe the perfect... I'm Bruce, by the way. Uh, oh, yeah. I knew it. Of course. <laughs> of course. Has to be. Oh, man. I don't know. I would say... Shining. Uh, I was, was going to say the shining, funny enough, but I'm like, it's gender swapped, where she's driving me crazy. You know what I mean? Where it's like... I could... You I can know. absolutely see fucking Jess breaks through a door. Here's Jesse. No, she'd be like, is the food ready? Where is the food? That's what it would I be. Have, I have seen Jessica be like that. When, yeah, when she hits a certain angry. hunger level, and we all do, I have seen it. I have seen it. That's how long we've been I'm just friends. more honest about it. And I will say I am hangry. I'm just like, I am telling you I am hangry, so I don't understand why we're not moving. <laughs> yeah. That's that's good. It would definitely be the shining, and it would definitely be Jessica, Jessica Nicholson, and Hunt, hunting you through the halls with an axe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's that makes sense. Yeah, good question. By the I, way. I I I love this so much. This has been a blast. I love both of you. You have been such a big part of my oh, life for such too. a long time, and I cannot wait to be with you on the premiere. Like I said, November second, seven p.m. Thursday at the Lamley in Glendale ticket link to get your tickets will be in the show notes as well as on all the socials i will be posting that go watch the trailer on youtube just look up night of the harvest trailer it will be the first thing the seo yep. gods were very yes. good for you aren't this they time so around. kind i know um, yeah. they can be very cruel but this time <laughs> they're like we're gonna try to re bone. yeah we did try to research 
names so that we wouldn't fall into like getting hidden beyond things that have similar it. names so we this tried. is the extra work you have to do for this it's it true. was originally called just the harvest but there mm -hmm. is a movie called the harvest that has a pretty famous actor in it even though the movie didn't do great and we'll probably never beat it <laughs> <laughs> uh, not so. with that attitude this is going to be the greatest <laughs> film with harvest in the name that you've ever seen oh it's going to kill um, it so make sure as you are listening to this, it is Halloween. Everyone have fun. Stay safe tonight. Oh. See, I, I was in this movie. I know the script. I know the lines. He's got it. <laughs> He's got it. I know this I know the screams and I know the scripts. You have to give us the lines. Oh shit. Whoa, okay, one. It. Whoa, settle <laughs> down. I want the line from the the trailer. You have to know it. The Halloween line. Oh God, that was. So, I, you have a whole little and, monologue there. No, you know, I does. Some people oh, say. <laughs> some people say that Halloween. Do the voice. Do the voice. Do the voice. That is do the voice. voice. <laughs> you know, some people say that Halloween is a night to. I don't fucking know. Disguise, disguise yourself. yourself. So that, I don't fucking remember so that, that line. That, give was, him a that, line. Was, give him that was a lifetime ago, that Chris. Was pretty good. We're, 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 if if you come up to if you I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a challenge, listener. If you come to this premiere on Thursday and you ask me what the line is, I will give you that line. Oh, if someone asks me at the premiere to recite the line, I will have that line memorized and ready for you. That's your you challenge. Do it. That's okay. your challenge. I want I want your favorite line too. Do you have a favorite line? No. <laughs> My favorite line is is a gurgle when I get hit in the face. Because <laughs> it's the easiest one to remember. <laughs> That's my favorite. Eric, for the I'm so sorry. I know we're trying to wrap up. But for the whole time I've known you, you do amazing things when you act, and there's always a moment. Every single film we've had with you, there's a moment that you do something that I just don't expect that I think is so freaking phenomenal and so like particular. Like you find little things and these things I didn't think were there. Yes, and and I have a moment of that in this film that, like I said, every time I see it, I'm like, that's my favorite Eric moment, and I can't, oh, <laughs> so I can't wait for you to see it. And then oh, I'm point okay, it out to we'll you. we'll talk about it. We'll we'll yeah. talk about it on the day. And Everyone again, if you guesses. go to the premiere, yes, if you go to the premiere, you'll be part of that conversation. Yeah. Just get ready for that. I'll just yell it out in the theater. That yes, was the moment. That's the fucking moment. <laughs> <laughs> my guy. <laughs> Time is. It is now time for the weekly review. This is the segment of our show where I review something weekly. And right now we are reviewing episode number four of Loki season two entitled Heart of the TVA. And y'all, I don't know how to feel about this show right now, to be completely honest with you. So episode four does a lot of things. It has a lot of heavy lifting, bringing characters together setting the board, knocking over the board, resetting the board, and then knocking it over again. And that's kind of the the summary that I can give you of everything that happened in this episode. Uh, it spins directly out of the events of episode three with them picking up Victor Timely and adding him to the crew. 
while uh, Ravana and Miss Minutes go to the end of time and Ravana learns about her past. And what that past is, is that she was fighting right alongside Hugh Who Remains in the original multiversal war. A secret war, if you will, because no one remembers it. And the reason that is, is because as soon as the war was won, Ravana was expecting to rule the TVA alongside uh, He Who Remains. And He Who Remains was not feeling that plan. So he used Miss Minutes to wipe the minds of everyone at the TVA, including Ravana, so that he could make it in his own image and he could direct the flow of the multiverse going forward. Now, this again, follows up on the cliffhanger from last episode where Miss Minutes is like, you're going to learn something, you're going to be real mad. And lo and behold, Ravana Renslayer is pissed and she wants to take over the TVA and build it in her own image now. So she takes Miss Minutes to the prisoners that were uh, apprehended, I believe, at the end of episode two. You know, General Docs, X5, and all those people. And she's like, come join me. And everyone, rightfully, is like, you don't know what the fuck you're doing. You have no idea what's going on. You just want power. We're not going to follow you. You're not you're not here to preserve the integrity of the TVA. You just want to preserve your own power. And Ravana's like, damn, you're right. And then kills everyone except for X5 using the little, the little crusher cube. And the entire time this is going on, I'm like, are there, is there no surveillance? Are there no guards seeing this happen? Like I, I don't know. It's a baffling choice. It is very strange to me. Some of the choices that are made in this season and I feel like we have been moving at such a brisk pace throughout this season that we haven't really had any time to breathe. The closest we get is two scenes in this episode. One where Obi and Victor Timely get to meet each other, which is admittedly a wonderful scene. And they realize that they are truly the serpent eating its own tail because Victor Timely developed all of his technology and his theories about the TVA um, timelines and all of that from a manual, a copy of the manual that Obi wrote. But Obi wrote the manual based on the early teachings of Victor Timely. And so they fed into each other's thought processes and development. Again, it's a very Ouroboros thing. And I Really appreciated that. And then the other scene was in the little pie place, the little pie room with Sylvie and Loki. And I'm, maybe it's just me, but I feel like Sylvie has not been as interesting a character this season as she was in the first season. And it might be because scenes like this are so few and far between in this season, whereas we got an entire episode, the, um, Oh, what was it? The Lamentis episode where they're on that alien planet and you get to, it doesn't really like move the story forward, but you get character moments. You get to see them grow and evolve and change. And this scene is basically them trying to do that entire episode in like a five minute scene where they're like, okay, well we have to, you know, we're responsible for this. And Sylvie's like, I don't give a shit. That's I'm not responsible for nothing. And it feels like she's been in the 
second season just kind of there to prove to provide an obstacle for Loki. And I don't love that. I don't love that idea. Um, I feel like she is such a dynamic character and she absolutely was in the first season that she deserves more in this. But again, we don't have time to focus on anything because we're moving so quickly from point to point to point. And having Ravana ultimately get, you know, her X5 and Miss Minutes, who is just this crazy murder goblin now. I I do love Miss Minutes as like crazy murder hobo goblin menace at as she's developed across the season. But also, I mean like X5. Like, I don't I don't I don't give a shit about X5. Like it's I don't know. It it is very it is very strange. She's very clearly there to be like the underling and then we finally get to see Loki and Sylvie working together first off to kind of close the loop that we saw in episode one. And it's exactly what I thought it was going to be when Loki popped up, saw Sylvie in the TVA and then got pruned and sent back so that he could stop being, you know, time displaced. It was Loki. Loki pruned himself to make sure that the circle uh, was complete and that the loop remained intact. But, then we get to see them be a little tricky. We get to see them be a little tricky, use some of their magic. Sylvie gets to, um, I don't remember what the word was, but she like mesmerizes X5 into pruning uh, Ravana, which I was like, okay, that's how we're doing. Ravana's been kind of like the lead antagonist for the season, and now it's just like, oh, nope, she's gone. She's pruned. That's it. And I was a little disappointed by that. And then I remembered, oh yeah, we established last season that pruning just sends people to the void. So we're probably going back to the void. However, we don't know where everybody else is going. Because at the end of the episode, the temporal loom fucking explodes. Taking Victor Timely with it, spaghettifying, uh, John Krasinski-ing him. And the entire TVA is enveloped in this white light and it just cuts to black. So big cliffhanger, obviously. We don't know what's going to happen. We've got two episodes left. What does this mean? It's just, it, it's exhausting, you know? I, I love the set design. The performances are great. Um, the costuming is just wonderful. I love the world building. The techno jargon can get a little in the weeds sometimes, but it's generally easy to follow. But it's just like, this needed to be at least two to three episodes longer just to give everybody time to breathe. So I don't know. I'm still looking forward to the last two episodes. Maybe they'll be able to land this plane in a way that I'm like, okay, this is, this is a worthy follow-up. But as it stands right now, like I can't, I can't fully endorse season two just with how good season one was. But I guess I'm, I'm, more than happy and i'm rooting to be uh proved wrong so we'll just have to see we'll check back in with the penultimate episode next week episode five of loki but for now let's roll right on into this week's comics countdown 
Ooh, welcome back to this week's Comics Countdown for the week of November 1st, 2023. This is the segment of our show where I'll chat you up about all the comics you should be picking up this week, whether it's at your local comic book shop, a comic store laundry, or however you get your comics. These are the ones I think you should definitely take a look at. But before we get into this week's books, we got to take a look back at last week's books with the Geek Explained Pick of the Week of last week. And y'all, there were too many good books books last week to make this easy on me at all um it's it's a good problem to have but boy does that make choosing one really difficult uh wonder woman 2 was a big contender and i knew it would be because it's been incredible um the most recent action comics issue was also amazing not for nothing bringing back ken and kong into a main player role with one of with it being obviously you know an anthology book and him being the lead character in one of the stories again with the original team of gene lun yang and victor bogdanovich but I had to give it up to Firepower number 28. Oh, what an issue. What a story. This this book has, from its very inception, when they released that prologue trade, subverted my expectations, but not in like a gimmicky way, at every single turn. I never know how this book is going to approach a situation. I thought that we were going to spend the last three issues with a gigantic throwdown of literally gigantic double-page spread, full comic booking proportions. But they wrapped up a lot of things in this issue. No spoilers. They wrapped up a lot of things... And they gave one of the most heartbreaking reveals in the entire series to this issue. So, uh, Firepower fans, we're we're going through it right now, especially with the with the upcoming end of the series with issue thirty in December. But yeah, I love this series. I love the issue. That's my pick of the week. But that's last week. This week we've got. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven books. We're back in single digits. Thank God, says my wallet. But let's kick things off with two X-related books. First being X-Men number 28. This is written, of course, by Jerry Duggan with art by Joshua Kassara. And we are getting a throwdown. Let's dig into the synopsis. Hot and heavy. Juggernaut has come a long way from his beginnings as a bully transformed into an unstoppable foe of the X-Men. In fact, he'd recently become one of mutant kind's best human allies. So why, oh why, is he trying to kill Firestar? If you've been reading the books, you know why. But also, I'm just excited to see, uh, to see Troy's favorite X-Man, the fastest man alive, the Juggernaut doing his thing i'm i'm excited to see him become a more prominent character in the x corner so especially with you know the knowledge that the x books are about to undergo a big change in the new year um i'm just i'm i'm just receiving and accepting all of the good things that this era is willing to give us before it is all over speaking of all over uh next up we have scarlet witch number 10 which is the final issue of the series before it becomes scarlet witch and quicksilver in the new year written by steve orlando with art by sarah pacelli pacelli cinderelli i love this book 
I love this book. I think it's a wonderful treatment on the character to Doctor Whoify, the Scarlet Witch. I think it's, mmm, it's just, it's been incredible. I I love this character. I love this take on the character, bringing in the new elements, pairing her up with Darcy. I thought it was a great choice. And this new Hexfinder enemy, who is the big bad of this arc, and I guess the big bad of the series, is really cool, great design, menacing, and left us with a hell of a cliffhanger to head into this final issue. I don't like that we keep doing this. I'm just going to put a blanket statement out right now. I'm tired of us getting to 10 to 12 issues and then canceling the book to give it a new number one. I'm I'm getting annoyed with Marvel on this. Um, this doesn't happen as often with DC, thankfully, but Marvel is really, they're, they are grinding my gears something fierce with all this. Um, and it keeps happening. It keeps happening, and it's it's bothering me. But you know what? Again, I have to enjoy the ride. I have to accept what there is. So let's dig into the synopsis and figure out how this all ends. Scarlet Witch versus Hexfinder. When chaos magic meets alchemical might, it's all Wanda can do to keep her town and her friends from getting caught in the crossfire. Hexfinder has sworn vengeance on all witches and won't stop until Wanda is a trophy on her wall. Wanda is one of the most powerful forces in the Marvel Universe, but can she stand against someone who's trained her whole life to eradicate magic? And this is the point where if we had gotten at least 12 issues, we could spend two issues focusing on developing Hexfinder. But as it stands, she's been this ominous presence that Wanda is probably going to put down in this issue. So, I again, I'm sounding like a broken record, and I understand that. And Marvel is going to continue to do what it's doing. But it's frustrating, especially when you have good books like this, She-Hulk, where they're just like, oh, let's just end it so we can do a brand new number one, and bleh. So... Ah, either way, I'm still enjoying the book, and I will be happy to pick up this final issue. Next up, we have a brand new little special from the Distinguished Competition. It's Supergirl Special Number 1. This is written by Mariko Tamaki. The Return of the Tamaki. I was going to do Return of the Mac, but it doesn't really make sense. Um, Mariko Tamaki is back writing Kara. Uh, the artist on this is Skylar Patridge, and... I'm stoked. I'm stoked on this. Um, the last Supergirl book I absolutely loved with Tom King and Bilkis Evely. This isn't going to be as extensive as that, obviously, because it's just going to be one big special. But it's a good time to be a super fam fan. So I'm having a great time with this. I'm excited to pick this up. Let's find out what Car is up to in this issue. Girl Interrupted. After joining the Superman family and their heroic efforts in Metropolis, Kara thought she had found her place in the world. But there's only room in town for one Supergirl. And Power Girl's sudden reappearance has made her redundant. Her, I oh. her identity and role are both in question as she looks for answers. Will they lead her out of the city or out of this world? Find out as critically acclaimed writer Mariko Tamaki returns to the Maid of Might with the help of Skylar Patridge. <sighs> another oh there's too many of us i have to leave they already did this with connor they already did this with connor um i have faith in this team i love tamaki i think she is so dynamic her voice for car is incredible you know this if you read supergirl being super um i have faith in this team but it is 
not great that we're retreading something like this, especially when Power Girl has been doing this exact same story of like, oh, Kara's already here, so I have to go find my own way. So I don't know. But I'm very excited about the next issue we've got here, which is Doctor Strange number nine. This is written by Jed McKay with art by Pascal Ferry. I love this book. I love this book so much. And we are getting ready for the beatdown of three millennia. Uh, General Strange has brought his military might against Doctor Strange. Clea is on the precipice. I am very excited to dig into this issue. Let's check it out. With General Strange's endgame in sight, Doctor Strange must confront the man he could have been. But everyone has their own agenda. Can the Vishanti be trusted? Is Wand capable of changing for the better, or will they return to their Black Ops roots? Which Strange will Clea side with? It all comes down to a it all comes to a head as the battle for the soul of Stephen Strange begins. Yeah, this is a big one. This is a big one. Really excited about this. Can't wait to pick this up. Next up, we have another big conclusion. This being Batman, Catwoman, the Gotham War, Scorched Earth number one. That is a mouthful of a title. Uh, this is written by Chip Zdarsky and Tini Howard with art by Nicholas Imezja and Mike Hawthorne. And I mean, it's fine. It's fine. I I got real nervous Got real nervous after reading some of the uh, Gotham War stuff because I've been talking about my idea for an Al Ghul Savage War for years. And seeing the hints towards it in this arc have been like, whoa, holy shit, DC, get out of my walls. But I, I mean, it doesn't seem like we're heading towards that direction. It was a fun feeling and a terrifying feeling for a couple weeks where I had to scramble to, like, maybe put a pitch together for it. Who knows? Maybe, maybe you'll hear about it someday. Who knows? But I was, um, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I knew that Gotham War was not going to be my bag going into it. I was pleasantly surprised by kind of the opening chapters, putting a new spin on what I thought they were going to be covering. But as we're coming into it, I'm kind of more excited to get back to Chip's overarching story when it comes to his Batman run. So let's let's dig into the synopsis and find out what's going on at the conclusion of the Gotham War. The Gotham War ends here. The final chapter of this epic crossover is here, and Batman and his family must find a way to overcome the endgame of an ancient enemy. Can the Bat and the Cat sense th set their differences aside? Is this the end of the Bat family? Lives change forever in this action-packed conclusion. Yeah, so we'll see. I mean, they've been promising big status quo shakes up for shakeups for the Bat fam forever. After Death of the Family, after the conclusion of the, of the Rebirth Detective Comics run, Rebirth, all kinds, I mean, Batman versus Robin, like, all kinds of shakeups have been promised. We'll see if they follow through with it this time. But, next we have, you want to talk about endings, let's talk about Beginnings Ultimate Universe number one. This is written by Jonathan Hickman with art by Stefano Caselli, and this is your kickoff. This is your primer. This is your starting line for the new Ultimate line of comics. We talked about it previously when we were going over the New York Comic Con news. Ultimate Black Panther, Ultimate Spider-Man, and Ultimate X-Men. Ah, 
are on their way in the new year, and this is the primer, this is the beginner's guide to get you set up and ready for those books to drop next year. Setting up the status quo of the new universe, introducing the major players, this is going to be the book to pick up if you're interested in those books. Especially because it's a Hickman joint, you're going to want to pick this up or else you're going to be lost AF. Let's get into the synopsis. The Spoils of Victory After the world's shaking conclusion of Ultimate Invasion, a new team of heroes bands together to save the future. From mastermind Jonathan Hickman and superstar artist Stefano Caselli, don't miss out on this foundational issue for the new line of Ultimate Comics. So it's unknown if the universe is going to expand or if it's just going to be those three books right now. Again, Marvel, I've been talking about it for years. Give me a call. I got that Ultimate Doctor Strange locked and loaded. But I'm really excited for the first wave of Ultimate Comics. This is going to be incredible. I do kind of hope we get an actual, like, Ultimates book just to cover, like, maybe some of the more overarching stuff. But we've been getting, you know, little trickling news for the other books recently. We now know it's going to be Peter Parker, who's in the Ultimate Spider-Man book. He's going to get bit when he is older. He's got a family. He's married to MJ. They've got two kids. I hope one of them is named Mayday. We'll just have to see. We will have to see. I'm very excited. But it's not the big book of the week for me. You know which book it's going to be. You know the book that is going to be my big book of the week. The book I think you should absolutely be picking up. It is, of course, Spirit World number 6. Written by Elisa Wong. Art by Haining. Y'all already know how I feel about this book. I loved it from the moment it was announced. I loved it from the moment I picked up the first issue, the variant covers. This has been a wonderful book, and I am bitter as all hell that we're only getting six issues. Obviously, Alyssa One is a hot ticket right now. They are doing so much in the world of comics, but... I love that we got this time with them and with Xanthi to really learn their story. Haining's art has been a revelation. I hope we see more of Haining, especially at DC Comics. Um, I love this book. I love this book. I've shared it with friends. I have talked about it ad nauseum on the podcast for a good long while. Um, let's, let's talk about the synopsis. Xanthi, Constantine, and Batgirl realize that only one other person has defeated the monster who's been collecting spirits by taking their memories, and it's the person who's responsible for creating the Joss Paper Money, the original currency of the spirit world. We are getting our answers. We are concluding this story. I hope Xanthi's adventures continue. We know Constantine, Cascane, they are going to be okay. Cassandra has been through a lot. She will continue to be through a lot. But I hope that we see more of Xanthi. Even if it's just them popping up in the books that Constantine and, uh, and Cass show up in. Obviously, selfishly, I'd love to see more of them in their own title. But we'll see. The future's nebulous. It could always happen down the line. 
as it stands, I'm going to cherish these six issues with my fucking life. So that does it for this week's Comics Countdown. Uh, to recap, we've got X-Men number 28, Scarlet Witch number 10, Supergirl Special number 1, Doctor Strange number 9, Batman Catwoman The Gotham War, Scorched Earth number 1, woof, Ultimate Universe number 1, and Spirit World number 6. Lots of endings, lots of conclusions, but also lots of beginnings as well. The best endings, I, I, I believe the quote from a wise man once said, Every new beginning comes from some other beginnings and... So make sure you head on over to your local comic shop before closing time and pick up some incredible comics. And that is going to bring us to the wrap-up. If this is the first time you're joining us on the Geeksplain podcast and you like what I do here, feel free to subscribe to us on the podcasting platform of your choice and give us a rating and review. We drop new episodes every single Wednesday, and honestly, ratings, reviews, and subscriptions really do help me and the podcast out in this weird podcasting algorithm space, raises up our stock, and gets us out and into the orbit of listeners just like you. And if you give us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, whatever you want to call it, I will read your view here live on the podcast. That's right. You can write literally anything you want. I will be forced to read every single word you write. As long as you give me those five stars, I will be happy to say whatever you want me to say. And people have taken advantage of it. So just be aware, I'm a man of my word. But you'll also be able to join the likes of our terrific 21, that being Seafire ND, Joshua Pants to Pixels, Matt Draper, Burrito Man 88, Doug from For Every Kind of Geek, Don Swanson, That Guy Brian, Mouth Dork, Dallas Meeks, Amazing Spider Fan, Alock and AZ, Sass, Jedi Jesse 20, Ken4656, Director Hall, Mullet Overlord, Invisible Man 11, Ed Likes Things, Clip 326, That Logan, and Kenneth from Norway. I want to say a huge thank you to these fine folks for their reviews, and I cannot wait to hear yours i'd love to get to 25 by the end of the year i think we can do it i think we can do it if you'd like to be part of the geek explained mailbag send your emails to geeksplained at gmail.com put mailbag in the subject header and i will read it here on the wednesday show if you'd like to keep up to date with the podcast participate in polls that decide future episodes get first notification for announcements and when new episodes go live or maybe you just want to shoot the shit with me on the latest geeky news feel free to follow us on instagram and twitter at geeksplained pod that's at geeksplained pod as i continue to try and get better at instagram and for as long as twitter i'm not calling it x stays around um we're 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 figuring out the social media thing it's it's something that's nebulous it's something that i've never been particularly good at but we're trying our best we're trying our best finally every single friday including this friday i alongside my fellow emerald archer malcolm russell nelson are going through every single issue of every single volume of green arrow Rebirth. Last week we kicked off the Green Arrow Rebirth run proper and absolutely loved it. And this week we're heading into Volume 2 where Oliver finds himself back on the island that he spent so much time in. And he might not be there alone. So join us, won't you, this Friday and every Friday, obviously. Star City Fridays are a real thing, so make sure you be there or be 
square. I want to say a huge thank you to Jessica and Chris for coming on the show. They've been on the show before, and we've been friends for a very long time, but I love them both to death. I'm so excited for their success, for this film, for their upcoming marriage next month. All the things are happening. You you love to see good things happen to good people, and the two of them are very good people. So I love seeing good things happen for them. And for you, again, if you are in the L.A. area or its surrounding areas, feel free. Come on by this Thursday, November 2nd at 7 p.m. to the Lamley Theater in Glendale. We're going to be premiering our newest film, Night of the Harvest. It's going to be a wonderful little affair. I'm very excited to share this film. I'm very excited to watch this film. I haven't seen it in its entirety, in its completed form, so I am very stoked. I got a couple pictures from Chris uh, yesterday as I'm recording this uh, of stills that he took from watching the film in the theater. It looks gorgeous, y'all. We talked about it in this episode. They upgraded their tech. They upgraded their equipment. They've got an all-star cast in there. You're going to want to watch this film. Because it is something special. It is something I'm immensely proud of. And I can't wait for other people to see it. So once again, uh, links to both the trailer as well as where to purchase tickets for the premiere this Thursday, November 2nd at 7pm at the Lamley in Glendale are in the show notes. Go check those out. I hope I see you all there. But that's going to do it for this week's episode, as well as for Geektober 2023. I hope everyone has a wonderful Halloween. Everybody be safe. Make sure you are making good choices. Or if you're not making good choices, make long-term choices. Just just keep your long-term in mind. Uh, but... We will be right back here next week for a brand new episode of the Geek Explained podcast. Same geek time, same geek channel. So, for Geek Explained, I have been Eric Azana. Thank you so much for listening. Everybody stay safe, have a happy Halloween, stay spooky, and we will see you next time. Something strange. Come with us and you will see. This our town of Halloween. This is Halloween. This is Halloween. Pumpkins scream in the dead of night. This is Halloween. Everybody make a scene. Trick or treat. Tell the neighbors on your diaphragm. It's our town. Everybody scream. It's town of Halloween. I am the one hiding under your bed. Teeth ground sharp and eyes glowing red. I am the one hiding under your stairs. Fingers like snakes and spiders in my hair. This is Halloween. This is Halloween. 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 In this town we call home. Everyone hail to the pumpkin song. In this town, don't we love it now? Everybody's waiting for the next surprise. Round that corner and hiding in the trash can. Something's waiting at the pumps and how you scream. This is Halloween. Red and black. It's like green. Aren't you scared? Well, that's just fine. Say it once, say it twice. Take a chance and roll the dice. Ride with the moon in the dead of night. Everybody scream. Everybody scream. I am the who in the cold who's there. I am the wind blowing through your hair.
a shadow on the moon at night, filling your dreams to the brim with fright. This is Halloween, this is Halloween, 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 Halloween. That's our job. But we're not mean in, in our, our town, town of Halloween. In this town, don't we love it now? Everyone's waiting for the next surprise. Instead of Tin Jack, might catch you in the back and scream like a bet you make you jump out of your skin. This is Halloween, everybody scream. Won't you please make way for a very special guy? The Wild Man Jack is king of the pumpkin patch. Everyone hail to the pumpkin.